This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Evan. Hi, I'm Misa. Hi, I'm Trish. Oops. <laughs> We're going to talk about a uh, Heinlein novel called The Door into Summer, first published as a serialized uh, novel in magazine of fantasy and science fiction between October and December 1956, and then it came out as a hardcover in 1957. For some reason, I thought it was 1959, uh, but I think uh, uh, that makes a little bit of a difference, um, considering it's supposed to be mostly set in 1970. And then uh, a good chunk of it set in 2000, 2001. Uh, I, I had read this before, um, but it must have been like I was 17 or 16 or something like that because I barely remembered it at all. I just remembered the cat and the door. <laughs> and then I thought, uh, wait a minute, I, I, isn't the door supposed to dilate? And I'm like, no, no, that's the cat who walks Different the walls. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming Paul had read this before, Trish had read this before, Evan had not, and Misa had not. How's my prediction? Correct. Yep. I don't remember reading it. So <laughs> if I did, it was when I was like 10. <laughs> wow, 10. One, it's actually one I missed. I really? knew all about it because I'd read about it in in Panchin's book, Heinlein in Dimension, and Farrah Mendelssohn's book, uh, The Pleasant Profession of Robert A. Heinlein, and general conversations around the genre sphere. I knew basically the book book's details, but I had not actually sat down and read this before now. It was one of the way, I, I told you I've missed a couple of Heinleins along the way, and this was one of them. Hmm. Well, hmm. um, that's lucky for you, I would say. Um, I'm, I, Honestly, uh, no, now, now I'm, I'm going to throw it that Honestly, I might have veered off of wanting to talk about this book had I actually read it before. Because I did really? not like it at all. Wow. I want to hear about that. <laughs> um, I'm assuming Misa loved every second of it? Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just the cat parts? <laughs> I like the cat parts. Uh, I like the... I like the uh, the general kind of I like time stories, so I like to, I like time paradox and time mm. loop stories. Mm-hmm. So I like That's that nice. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know Trish hated it, uh, at least the first uh, sixth, because she broke a cardinal rule on the podcast, and she started talking about it on the internet. <laughs> There's no such rule. Yeah. It's it's uh, clearly hashtag SIFTP, so it that's a that's rule. That's if you're talking to somebody else about a book she, on the oh. podcast. I was saying about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just 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 general thought because I I will generally throw thoughts and quotes and things from books and I think that's fine but like tr- talking to you about plot points I think that that goes She was doing thoughts. analysis. That's that's the <laughs> the, the bad part. Oh, wow. oh horrible. What Indeed. So oh. let me uh recount your shame. I believe it went something like this. I think Heinlein thinks I'm supposed to like this main character um i don't like him as much as he thinks i will or something like that that that's basically it yeah and, uh, but i did add that i liked the cat pete rules all right <laughs> <laughs> um so uh you were only a sixth of the way through the book at that time um did your uh uh 
judgment hold? Um, I continued to not think much of, uh, of, of Danny boy, but, um, uh, you know, the pacing was good. I, uh, it, it was not a struggle to finish it like some other books have been. Um, uh, I have a lot of problems with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel it was a waste of my time, though. Good, good. Nicely said. Avin? Uh, I, I found it interesting. It's probably... I haven't read as much Heinlein as you think I, I should. Yeah, you should read um, it all. So you can do a show on it. Or shows. This was, I mean, the juveniles aside, this is probably my, this is the least favorite of the ones I've read. Like Stranger in a Strange Land, I Will Fear No Evil, Moon's Hearse Mistress, what else was there? Double Star, Glory Road. I, I preferred all of those to this mm. one. This mm. is, but this is not, I do think the... there's a lot of good stuff in it. Yeah. I do, th- I mean, I, I think the, the stuff about domestic labor, I, I really dug. I, now, I think that's a really important conversation to have, I guess, mm-hmm. about, um, I mean, in, especially in the kind of the backdrop of the conversations we've been having on Twitter lately, mm. um, because I think that's such a key feature of, of, of the conversation about feminism and technology, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, that I struggled with Philip Dick about who was so much of a technophobe. Um, and one thing, if you go back to my podcast on like stories like nanny or things like that, or, right. or, or some story. of the others where he deals with technology, especially domestic labor technology where Dick for him, is just, like junk in the house, right? Or they, or, the or the robots yeah. trying to have sex with your wife. And yeah, or some, you. or some more of a deeper threat. Yeah, and and it's like I kept thinking how wrong he was about that when I was doing those stories because it's so liberatory. I mean, the washing machine is such a liberatory thing. I mean, it turned washing day from a real all day thing to not right mm-hmm. and. You know, it's not the full story. It's not the full struggle. To but any li- liberation from work is good, in my view, and especially drudgery. And you know, this is there's still sexism in this book, and the way it's addressed, and the assumptions about what women's work is and what men's work are, are is. There's of course sexist assumptions about that, mm-hmm. but within the context of 1950s America, I think the embrace of labor-saving technology in the domestic sphere was a good one to, to do. It was a good oop, I guess. All that's right. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think I that's, found all that really fascinating. I, I want to get into more. No, I want you to get into but, more of um, that. But And the cat stuff I just loved, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> You're a cat and, guy. <laughs> and um, it, that, the fact that it was a love story about a man and his cat in the end <laughs> was pretty great. <laughs> um, he certainly spent more time exploring Pete's inner life than he did the love interests. <laughs> Either yeah. of them. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, my so, Anyway, so um, that's my thoughts in general. I love it. Um, my so, I, I, I want to hear more of uh, your thoughts because I think you got short shrift in this little opener. But uh, you've read 
probably as much Heinlein as uh, Evan, um, oh. although maybe slightly different books. Evan Evan's list includes like the famous ones. One of the things I did um, as research, I'm always researching for this show. I hope listeners appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I'm mad at the listeners now. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things I did was I went through other podcasts to see who had done shows on Heinlein because, you know, there's a lot of Heinlein hate on the internet. Um, but even people who hate Heinlein reference him all the time. Uh, I just listened to a recent show, uh, about, in fact, time travel, um, by Our Opinions Are Correct. And they were talking up by his bootstraps. Uh, mm-hmm. but more importantly, all you zombies, uh, was what they were focused on. Uh, maybe they didn't even mention by his bootstrap. I want to talk about by his bootstraps. I know Mice probably hasn't read and I doubt, uh, Evan has. Um, what about Paul? Have you read? It's one of my favorite stories of Heinlein, actually. Yeah. So it's a very similar plot to this one, but, um, with a lot less, uh, Romance, or yeah, I don't know, yeah, a lot yeah, less it's, something. It's, 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 Let's it's, not it's, say it's romance. All about, yeah, yeah, it's all about the time loop rather than anything else. There's yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's it, 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 it's tight. I mean, all you zombies is even tighter in some yes, ways. Yes, it's a short you, story or novel, novel, yeah, novella, but, or novelette, something like that. Long if you want a time, if you if you want to read Highline, want to read a time loop story, I'd point you at all you at a by his bootstraps rather I, than I, all I, yeah. I read about it in in looking at the stuff for this one and do really want to read that one. Mm, it's good and it's fun and it's funny and there's similar scenes going on in it all over the place, uh, which is important or similar structure, structural stuff. Um, Trish, you've read it, of course, right? I don't remember. Oh, really? <laughs> so probably not. Okay. Um, it's basically it's there's a uh, I believe he's a physics student. And he's writing a bullshit paper about how time travel's impossible. Uh, he's at the desk late at night because the assignment's due tomorrow or whatever. And a doorway opens up behind him and he says, you idiot. And it's him. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is fun. And they get into a fist fight, <laughs> fighting over the manuscript. And loops ensue. And um, long story short, basically there's only one character in, in the mm-hmm. uh, story. And all of them are him at various times. Um, there's also like a guy deep, deep in the future who, whose name is Dictor, like a uh, dictator sort of. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, he, he, he a bad man. <laughs> he also main character. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty That's much, cool. it's pretty much, uh, Heinlein showing off and being awesome at time loops, which uh, I can't say he invented because I haven't studied that enough. But basically, he perfected in, uh, and I think that story, and I think a lot of people acknowledge that, even if they find him icky, which um, we should probably get to. Um, <laughs> well, that's why they call them bootstrap paradox, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, he didn't invent the term, uh, pull yourself yeah, up by, by your by bootstraps, bootstraps is, but he's referencing that. Term. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so it's not him. Okay. He, he no, brought it to bootstrap paradox in the sense that uh, if you're talking about science fiction, it's yeah. a thing. But there's also outside of science fiction, uh, sort of bad, uh, economics, <laughs> so, sociology, um, uh, uh, politics saying, you know, pull yourself up by, by your own bootstrap sort of thing. Yeah. No, but I meant the science fiction bootstrap. That's him. It's that him. Comes from him. Yes. Uh, or references oh, no. to this story. Mm-hmm. So let me just mention here, since you're on it, mm-hmm. uh, since this is such a pervasive misunderstanding. 
pulling yourself by your own oh, by your own bootstraps is originally meant as something that is obviously impossible to do, right. which it is physically, but uh, it's gotten distorted and people <clears throat> forget about the impossible part and just say that, you know, people should lift <laughs> Pull themselves up by the bootstraps, yeah. Right, right. By what they're saying is, why don't you do the impossible? I did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, yes, yep. Uh, of course, over time, um, lots of stupid people. Just collect <laughs> phrases, don't know or think about what they mean. Um, so yeah, we're not talking about them. <laughs> but right. what we can talk about, um, is the icky factor in here. Um, and, uh, I believe, um, somebody who engaged, uh, I, I want to say engaged with me because that's a politer way than tried to shit all over me, uh, <laughs> um, was saying that this book was uh, not icky, maybe a squicky or something, but the, the phrase that she, I assume it was a she, I can't remember, uh, used was, um, grooming. So the idea that, uh, mm -hmm. the stand in for Heinlein, we think, uh, Dan Davis is, uh, going to marry this girl when she grows up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I don't love this romance, but I think grooming is really unfair uh, as it's a way to describe overstating what happens it. in this yeah, it's it, overstating well, it, it, it's it's reversing it because because the, the text says that she's pursuing him so right it's, but heinlein wrote it therefore x right yeah yeah so, so yeah so i don't buy, i don't buy the grooming argument i mean it's icky because she's pursuing him but she, he's not grooming her he he keeps trying to push her away for much of the book <laughs> yes now yeah well he, but Heinlein still wrote it, right? But, but still, he still wrote it, and still in the end, they still wind up together and everything. Right. So. And no, yeah, he's pushing her away. But then when she says, will you marry me? He he's says, uh, my, uh, my, I answered steadily and much louder than she had spoken. Yes, Ricky, that's what I want. Now, that's really gross. Yeah. She's yes. Uh, now, I, 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 want to, um, I want to address this because I, th I think uh, people can overread that psycho psychologically Heinlein was not really into kids as like sex objects. Um, despite the fact that they happen to be like that in a lot of his stories. Um, like I'm thinking of moon is a harsh mistress. There's a very young girl who's married to old men, multiple old men. Right. Uh, well, I can't remember her name, but, uh, doesn't she show up later in, uh, the rolling stones? Pretty sure she does. Um, she's the grandma. Hazel. The grandma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, and she's a great character. Um, Heinlein's all the characters. But um, I don't think Dan B. Davis is actually Heinlein uh, per se. So when Trish uh, broke the cardinal rule of no talking about <laughs> the show before the show starts, <laughs> I actually started thinking about how <clears throat> it's he's actually not he, – he's not the stand-in for Heinlein in this story. Um, there's It's someone else. Um, I want you um, guys John? to guess who's John, <laughs> the, 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 the nudist. Of course, that's him. Yeah, <laughs> the lawyer nudist. Yes. Um, yeah, notice I've thought of him as a nudist person and lawyer second. Yeah, <laughs> he's a, well, he that's the important part. Yes, lands in the nudist colony when he comes back in time. So this is one of the things they had to change for the Japanese uh, Netflix movie. Um, yes, they had to change that. Yeah. That would not have flowed. Um, did everybody watch that? I, I did not. I did. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Trish skipped it. Um, I 
I can't say you really missed out. Um, but I think it's not that bad if you can attune yourself to Japanese aesthetics, which I can't. Um, well, I, I talked to my, I talked to William. My son William is uh-huh. in Japan. Yeah, and uh, and I said I'm watching a Japanese movie right now, and so he looked it up, and mm-hmm. the Japanese Times said a door you should not go through. <laughs> wow, funny. that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I, was, th- I thought it was fine. I thought it it did the story pretty. It, was, it does I the mean, story. Pretty, it, it. I mean. You know, I mean. It, it. It takes. It takes away. It takes away the quote unquote the, the romance with the with the femme fatale. It makes. Yeah. It, 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 it makes uh, the girl older. Makes her seventeen, which reduces the ickiness. <sighs> I mean. Yeah. And, and, and and they do make it clear at the end. Okay, she spends ten years being awesome before she goes into cold sleep to. To find him, so she actually yeah. does have a life and does. She has more. She's more of more of a character and does actually do things on her rather than just pining for him. So I appreciated those changes, and of course, Pete the cat was cute. Mm-hmm. I just felt it. It kind of just did what it had to do to, to tell the story. It, it didn't. It didn't oh. dwell on any of the fun stuff that's in the no. book. Like, it, 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 you know, it dwelled on the wrong things. You know, talking about time travel, haircuts. <laughs> A lot, even the 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 behind the scenes like stock stuff, you know, that dominates so much of the first part of the book. That's I like that. I kind of like that stuff. I enjoyed it. And I thought it just... the feminine, like the if, if I don't know if I'm going to go, but the politics about women's labor and stuff is that's not in the movie at all. No, 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 so. no. no, no. The, the future, the future we see in the movie is. Just okay. It's more technological, and we have robots everywhere. It doesn't ex- explore any of the other things we get in the novel, as weird as they are. I, I, I think the, the world that the Heinlein builds play. up is really interesting. So, um, like, I was thinking a lot about how Trish was saying, like, the character. I'm supposed to like the character. I was like, am I? He's a he's a drunk. He likes making things. The only thing I really liked about him. Um, is his, is that he wants to make his, his tech repairable? Like he's, yeah, <laughs> which feels, which I, I'm not sure that, that resonates. This, I think it resonates even more now in 2022 yes. than then because we have these, we think have like iPhones and whatnot that you can't repair and or design not to be repaired. Right so to repair like is really a bigger relevant. issue today than it was 30 years yeah. ago. And it's, mm-hmm. and, uh, much more than, uh, 1950s where everybody could work on their car today there are vehicles that you're not supposed to open your own hood and they prevent mm-hmm. you from doing that because it's all to be serviced at the dealer and the dealer has special equipment but more importantly they can charge you special prices for <laughs> checking on your stuff whereas i can go with my very ancient car to any old place and they can fix it up however they like because there's no restrictions so that made him more sympathetic to me than pretty much anything else uh i can't think of any other personality quality he had other than uh being resentful (laughs) um and kind of oblivious in places where he needs to be oblivious well also oblivious in places where he shouldn't have been oblivious i was uh well no i meant for the plot like, oh, for he, in order to be, in order for the plot to happen, he needed to be kind of dumb in, in some areas. Uh, he, he had to carry an idiot ball. Yes. I, I'm, I'm sure you have some, you have an example in mind, Trish? Well, 
<clears throat> just just the fact that you know he trusted his uh you know miles and and um bell uh and then in the future when he was he he was starting to set up he was trusting people to run things for him and just let him think and then when he went back to the past he almost did the same thing again so he kept uh i understand the passion to just dive into your work and forget about other stuff but he was treating a really important thing that he said was important his own self-control and control of what he was doing and he just kept being his own boss in harm's way and didn't learn from it yeah i I thought that that was a pretty nicely set up one example (laughs) that that he that he wants to be his own boss because he was in the military didn't like it didn't like being told what to do he just knuckled under and kept kept on so that he could get out and be his own boss and not be told what to do and so he had a like a I, I, maybe that's a Heinleinian uh, personality. That is a very too. Heinleinian, self-made, individualistic. I I can stand against the world sort of hero. I was thinking more just like don't don't let other people tell you how to do your job properly. Because um, mm-hmm. like as a writer, his you know if you read his correspondence uh, with regard to like um, selling stories. He ha- and he it comes up in this story a bunch and it comes up in every every Heinlein story practically he can shove it into. I mean it was it was in the Rolling Stones. Uh, it's the same scene over and over and over and over again. Remember in the Rolling Stones, there's two boys. They go to the junkyard. They start uh, to quote unquote dicker. That's one of Heinlein's you know, favorite words. Tr- yes. Yeah, it's like a sticker that he carries around and puts on things, dickering over things. Um, and what does he do? He does his favorite thing, ultimatum. Oh, you don't want to do business with me? I'll go across the street, right? So instead of like, uh, haggling, um, uh, and, you know, saying the unstated, uh, and negotiating the price down, he immediately goes nuclear and says, I'm going to go down the street. And then the other guy always collapses because he always wants to make the sale. Um, I, think that this is a weakness in Heinlein and he does it here multiple times uh, the cryo uh, stasis thing deal with the cat when he first goes there right and I have some questions about uh, his second plans to be frozen again but um, that trick sucks I hate it he does it's, it all it's, the it's, time it's, it's a one weird trick and it just shouldn't work as well it doesn't work in reality problems. because people yeah. just say what what's what that guy's problem and like yeah, and yeah oftentimes what? like you go uh, try and do it today bud Heinlein's gonna be upset because when he goes to the <laughs> Apple store and says I'd like my phone fixed and say you have to replace it he has to go be an Android guy now right <laughs> which is what happened to me I, I will say this this did work for me in once in my in my recent life when I was bought my last computer. It was at this, but it was a big market with a lot of different shops selling mm-hmm. computers. So when you said, "Okay, I'm walking away," they he stopped me and lowered the price. So oh, it does work when they're using the trick once, but yes. having it be your one trick pony that you always pull out. Yes. For it's very yeah, annoying. I, I it's one it, of yeah. the many annoying things Heinlein does. I was more angry about that than I was about the <laughs> the uh, grooming, quote unquote, which I again agree is not 100% grooming exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, his worlds are constructed by him. So there's always another guy across the street, right? 
Uh, if mm. you've ever lived in a small town and <laughs> you find out that the grocery store owner doesn't like you, you're fucked. You have to move to another town, right? Because well, you can't get the things you Sears want. Sears or something. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they, we'll try and get food from Sears, right? <laughs> and Sears is I, gone, Trish. That's the well, worst part. In the 70s, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can't, like, there are, uh, there are situations all too common where this technique does not work. On the other hand, Evan is absolutely right. Um, it, it, I, and I like the idea of lots of businesses right beside each other. Um, that you can choose from and it helps the businesses stay honest in a certain sense. And it also helps the customer feel like they're, uh, that have options. Always, that, that doesn't always work though. I'll give you the example of gas stations because, sure. because they, they, they've done a study where, you, because you often, often see in big cities multiple gas stations on corners at a major intersection and the prices are always in alignment with each other. Uh, yeah, because, because well, there's price fixing. Like they're all come the uh, gas all comes from the same companies. There's that, right? But right, but you 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 think there would be more competition, more trying to undercut. But in reality, they um, it's not collusion. Is not quite the right. They almost like cooperate to keep at the same price level because they because they get they can get a guaranteed quarter of the market. So they kind of work together. Even if subconsciously, rather than actually competing, but there's also a supply a, a supply issue where both of them get there's you know try and find an independent gas station first of all it used to be everywhere right yeah uh, and and if they both get your you've got two stations and they're both uh, parent companies of the same one they get but, their but, supply but from not- the same place and most of them aren't franchised right they they're corporate owned I actually I so I think I heard this somewhere that they. The profit margin on the on the gas itself is really low, so right. you really it, can't it, lower it, the price much. Right, they make their the, money selling cigarettes and food. Yeah, and stuff. It, the convenience store is where they make the money. Just 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 like yeah. concessions at a movie theater, same thing. Right, mm-hmm. that's where the money is. Yeah. So, um, if uh, like there's a district, around, you know, sometimes there's like a book town where you go to the town and it's every store is a bookstore, which is fun. Um, it brings things. There's a uh, here. There's a wedding district. So, like, you want to go get your wedding dress. There's, like, six stores all next to each other that all do wedding dresses, right? So e- even if it isn't the case that you can go in there and get a lower price at the other one, at least you feel like there is. The problem is, is Heinlein's constructing the entire world. And this ultimatum sort of negotiation logic is annoying, and he does it often. Um, and it happens in scenes that aren't even at st- at businesses, right? It's just like interpersonal connections. Um, mm-hmm. How dare you, sir, uh, interrupt my nudist uh, making out session with my wife. Um, I'm going to go nuclear. And the other guy says, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'll just lie to you slightly. And, and then, and he says, well, that, in that case, we're best friends. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Very Heinlein. It's, uh, uh, I don't want to say he was autistic because that's stupid. That's not true. Uh, but it is a kind of like, uh, all or nothing approach that he uses. And it, it could be considered like, uh, padding. Like there's a, a, a way that he, a mode that he gets into where he can just fill pages with these sort of inane, identical conversations. But and it's a cheap thrill for the reader, you know, uh, assuming well, it that it works they the are first time. 
with the protagonist. But then, after you your know. 50th novel, mainline <laughs> <laughs> novel, you might get war, worn out by it. But uh, more importantly to me, I, like, I barely knew that the guy's name was Dan. I don't know what the kid's name is. Oh, Ricky. Ricky, Ricky, Ta- Ricky, 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 more binaries are not going to get anymore, which is hilarious. Well, I, I want to just point out that this is more evidence that Heinlein is always telling you what books to read, uh, because that very, very subtly. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just loves, he loves uh, Richard Kipling so much. So he puts it in wherever he can. Um, so what, like, yeah, I don't read for characters, so <laughs> I don't care about I, the characters. I, 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 but I, what I will say, people, you are not a character reader. What I will say is that the world is fantastic. Um, there's so much going on in those supplements he reads, all the, uh, just transformation. France has a king now. Like, what? <laughs> or, or Canada incorporate, incor- England. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Which is like. Right. Well, there was a whole, world war another world war the six weeks war that was yep. nuclear that mm-hmm. is just treated as you know background well, um, yeah, the, the, well. the capital's now in denver, in right. mm-hmm. denver and they have a lot of the government underground in the mountains it's like, so the amount of world building that he put in to make this set in the future is completely nullified when you watch the japanese movie so yeah the, the 1995 they have big crt monitors on their desks Right. <laughs> and then we go to the year 2025, which is like two, three years from now, right? Three um, years and from now. Uh, suddenly there's like robots that look like people everywhere. Um, you know, iPhone didn't take over the planet in one year, right? And it didn't take it over in two. But, uh, 20 years on, yeah, it's taken over. So I was like, these guys don't really care about the thing that I care about. Uh, watch it. It felt like they were really catering to a Japanese audience, the way they were. It was so Japanese. Yeah. The haircut, our main character's haircut, and like the fact that he looks like he's 12 years old, he's the time bride in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) Time bride. The the girl, I was like, uh, oh, they fucked with the plot. That's his sister. I'm like, oh, no. He just, uh, like, because their age differences were like, like, Zero. And I was like, why is she dressing this schoolgirl outfit? She looks like she's 22 or whatever. And oh no, she's supposed to be younger. And supposed to be 17. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so catering to the, uh, this, there's a Japanese obsession with, uh, schoolgirls, uh, in sailor uniforms, right? Like why? Mm-hmm. I don't know. They just dig it. It's their thing. Whatever. This is not, this is like the Japanese interpretation of Door into Summer it says, Oh yeah. And we have to have a cat. Um, so they have a, the cats in there, but I didn't find the cat very exciting myself. I'm sorry to tell you the Japanese yeah, cat. Yeah. The cat's a lot better in the book. Oh, way better. He's always asking questions and angry about stuff. Um, <laughs> but, uh, they also he's added in much, a robot Pete and I'm like, right. why is this guy here? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we couldn't have the nudists. Uh, he's a very bad replacement for the nudists. And, and he actually winds up, yeah. I didn't expect him to go back in time with, with Dan. It made no I did sense. Not see that coming. It made no yeah. sense. So all of those whole, things, it, it made it cute. Days. And he was always, yeah, that was, he was I always saying things that were like, 
Where did that come from? That's not doesn't even make any sense. You're supposed to be logical, and he says you you're always late. You're always late, Dan. There, it's impossible for you to. And then the next thing is like it's no problem. It's like just like bad writing, bad bad writing, and and maybe it's a trope. But you were saying, uh, Kevin? Oh, the the like at first I thought was that I serve you for five days going to be like a. A timer for the film, but then I feel they didn't really fall through on that. Of course, yeah, yeah, I was like, expecting he was hanging out with them for like the two weeks yeah. in the in the past, right? Yep. Because he didn't he didn't need to be there except as a way to have our main character have conversations to explain plot. Whereas in the novel, yeah. it's all in his head, right? I did this. This is how I did it, and you know, it's not popular to have. I seriously, I, I really thought what they were going to do with that was just have them like reverse engineer that robot. Right. That would work. That would have cool. worked. For the that would have worked. Yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah. And, and that fits with another of, like, convention. Himself, but, right? Yeah. So one of the things but he does. That would have been a paradox, I guess. Yeah, that, that would have been very by his bootstraps if they'd done that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would have created a paradox, which I think Heinlein was trying to avoid. Right? Well, he was folk, he was not trying, he was not trying to rewrite by his bootstraps. He was trying to make it. Uh, novel, and I I, I want to say I think this is the reason it's kind of like uh, I was saying I did a lot of research, so I went through all the podcasts on you know <laughs> uh, in existence looking for who had done shows on what, and uh, I, I'm proud to say that we've done the most on anything um, in general. Um, but everybody does Starship Troopers. Lots and lots of shows have done Starship Troopers. A number have done Mooners and Harsh Mistress. A number have done, by, uh, a couple have done bias bootstraps, and lots have done um, all you zombies. Um, so there's no other podcast out. Uh, and we haven't done, but or we, we keep meaning to. All you we zombies? haven't done it yet. Right? Or all you I zombies? Wrong? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Um, yeah. Uh, I watched the movie relatively recently, so I don't want to rewatch it. But um, nice. I, I, uh, somebody the was. At- not the story, though, Jesse. Uh, sorry? The movie is not the story, though. Um, it you, is that to not me. the story, but the thing is, is that story is pretty simple. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think that it would make a great show. I think it's a little bit okay. like, like, um, if we had just done by bootstraps, I think that would actually be fine. Um, but we couldn't then do door into summer because they're essentially the same. There's lots of differences for sure, but. Uh, uh, somebody was asked, somebody was mad at me saying, uh, I'm a Heinlein booster. I'm a white nationalist or whatever, <laughs> because I want to reread Heinlein all the time. And I'm like, I haven't read, I hadn't read this book since, you know, I was probably just learning to drive, which is a long time ago. Right. Um, so I didn't, I didn't remember anything about it. I knew it was a, a title. I knew kind of it was. I, I didn't even remember it was time travel, really. All I remembered was there was a door. <laughs> um, so why is this not a book that sticks in the memory like Starship Troopers or Moon is a Harsh Mistress or All You Zombies? Why is this a book that is sort of so lower on the tier scale that you might, some people might classify it as uh, better than Farnham's Freehold because it's less racist or something? Um, but they would definitely put it on the bottom half of Heinlein's, uh, of your, when in fact, it's actually a very well plotted book. Like he does awesome work making this, this plot work in a way that you probably wouldn't say about, 
later, late Heinlein novels. Uh, but if, it, 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 it feels slight, and I'm going to quote it, it her. It definitely Anderson feels again. slight. And, and she says that, like, the two books that make the most significant use of cats, not coincidentally, two of Heinlein's most sentimental works, and that's an interesting bit there about this being sentimental. Really? Are the, otherwise, slight The Door into Summer and Friday. Oh, and Friday doesn't have that much cat. I was thinking but, but, but has cat who walks through walls. Other, I, I, I think Farrah was avoiding that one for some for various reasons because that one is – It's uh, a good book. I, I, I read Friday like 20 years ago and I don't remember a cat at all. I think, so. there, I think um, a cat is in it, but no, it's not a cat book. There's cats around. There's cats at the New Zealand place. Yeah, there are cats mm-hmm. in it, but it's not a cat book. No, um, this she, is a cat book. Yeah, there's cats in almost everything. Uh, there's flat cats in, right? He loves cats. Oh, yeah, the flat cats. Right? So oh, yeah. he, he definitely puts cats in his stuff. But this is a much, this is probably the most prominent. The other cat is Pixel. Pete is the cat in here, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. There, there's the character I liked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, everybody else don't care anything about them. I like the nudist a little bit because he was funny and his wife was like a non-entity other than, you know, uh, being a perfectly fine person to hang out with while she's nuding it up with her husband, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, I, 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 and they keep that in the Japanese adaptation. The, the wife is a non-entity again. It's like, can yeah. we do better in 2022, guys? Really? Well, right. well, let me just talk about the women for a little bit. Yeah, I want to talk about the women, Trish. Okay. <laughs> right. We'll let the women talk about the women for a while. Um. Well, just just to. Go back for a little bit to Ricky, um, uh, as as the uh, as the inappropriate age thing. Um, little girls do have inappropriate crushes on 100%. older people. That, that I've happens. had many little that girls is, want to marry me over the years, and I, okay. I'm saying I'm a little yeah, that y- is, too old for you, my dear. We're not disputing that that that's, happens, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, that is also very often used as an excuse by pedophiles. That, you know, the little girl came on to me um, and she wanted it, blah, blah, blah. Um, Indeed. As a responsible adult, the uh, thing you say is go play with somebody your own age. And if you keep it up, you can see a psychiatrist. That end of discussion. Wait, hold on. Okay. Uh, That I wasn't going to go there. That's pretty uh, hard. See, a a psychiatrist is like it's a kid. Get over but, it. Here's a, here's a candy cane. <laughs> Run off. <laughs> There's no psychiatrist here. Try, try to have them do more peer-appropriate relationships first. And if they you know, remain fixated on a person, you don't just say, okay, fine. I um, can't imagine that this scenario would even work in reality. Ricky Tiki Tavi uh, <laughs> goes into hypersleep after another 10 years of schooling or whatever. Um, but, and but she then, still wants to marry the same guy. But, well, yeah, it wasn't just that. She said, "Don't wake me up if he doesn't show up." Right. Yeah, she'd rather be dead. Yeah, not, not dead exactly, dead. but not okay. She'd rather not exist. Okay, she'd rather <laughs> not exist if she's not going to be with him. And that's ten years later. That's ten years later, right? Yeah. Like she went, right. She, right. She's so, had ten years of living without him, and. She's so fixated on this so, kind of a jerk. <laughs> that she, yeah. He's not she a could, jerk, exactly. Be, wait, no, he's not a jerk. He's just a self-centered. He's oblivious is what he is. Oblivious. Right? Mm-hmm. He's focused on his work. 
And so, but so, he's, but, yeah. So, but that, yeah, go for it. Well, so that's the thing with the female characters in this. I, I know that, I know that he can do female, he can write female characters that are strong and sufficient, self-sufficient and have brains, think, mm-hmm. but not in this story. No, none of the women and, in and, this story. And the other one, Belle, she was like a, a manipulating, self-centered bitch. And then when he comes back to her 30 years later, she turns into an idiot. Like she's, there's yeah. nothing there. Not uh, well, I, I okay. She's I want to do some work here. Let's break it down a bit. First thing first, this is a response book to a number of previous time travel books. Um, famous ones being uh, that we've even done on the podcast, but there's a, H.G. Wells, everybody knows the time machine. He time travels forward using a time machine in that one, right? Never actually goes to his past. He just goes back to his original place. But he did write a time travel book using uh, hypersleep or cold sleep or whatever. Um, and it's a great book. And it's in a long tradition of books that we've done. I know Evan's been on, probably Paul's been on some too, where somebody from the past goes to the see the future utopia that is sometime in the 20th century usually um and everything's wonderful there and then they somehow usually go back but there's uh i'm trying to remember uh, when the sleeper awakes is one of them yeah it's got another title too but he rewrote it at one point but basically it's a guy goes to sleep he wakes up in the future and he uh, his light bulb being left on and the fact that he had stock in uh, the electric company means that he's the richest man in the world and the second richest man in the world is the guy who had the other stock in in his light bulb being on because he went to sleep for three million years. I'm talking about Red Dwarf (laughs) now. (laughs) The important part is this is a long tradition and he engages with that. But he also has two ways of time traveling. One is you go back in time using the this time travel device, which I think is interesting, but really shunted out of the plot. It's really not important. It's just a, a few scenes and they're fun. It's a plot device. Mm-hmm. It's a plot device and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's the high, uh, the cold sleep and he spends much more time thinking about that and much more of the plot, um, engaged with it. And I think that that's fun to think about too, but there's other stuff that he's engaging with. So, there's a great novel and a very, very slim volume. And Heinlein uh, isn't the only great writer who has neglected. Uh, I guess he's not as neglected as others. But um, there's a, a book called Double Indemnity by James M. Cain that got turned into a movie uh, mm-hmm. called Double Indemnity, a great movie as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the same plot as this, at least at the start. You've got uh, a, a wife... Uh, who wants to have her husband killed in order to collect on the insurance. And instead of killing, which they do, Walter Neff helps kill uh, this guy. He's the insurance salesman, um, kills his wife's husband, and then she betrays him. That's actually what happens in the background while somebody's sleeping in this book, right? We, we are told by Dan that uh, it's very possible he didn't jump, he was pushed, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that's fun. Um, but he's not saying they didn't get away with it, which is what the original Double Indemnity is. A, it's a story of two people who kill off Dan B. Davis, basically, and then don't get away with it. Um, it's 
time well, is... Well, with the Hayes Code, you couldn't really have a movie with people getting away with it like that. No, it was a novel first, so it's the same... It's it's exactly the same plot in the novel as it is in the... Okay. It, All right. Nobody, nobody censored the movie. Uh, maybe they censored some sex scenes or something, but there weren't any sex scenes really in the uh, book either. Um, they're really slim volumes. They're so digestible. It's like uh 90 pages or something so good great novel so the plot here is essentially that's the motivating plot but i also want to note uh that the way the the book is structured story-wise linearly it actually starts with a loop so he's off in some connecticut farm place with 11 doors to get to the outside right telling us he's uh living there with his cat um, and drafting or drinking or whatever. Um, and then he eventually explains how he got to that situation. So we go back in time a little bit. Um, and we find out, and it takes a while before that happens, how he ended up in that situation. And then the plot really gets cooking after he reaches back to, uh, his decision to, you know, go into cold sleep. And then there's a lot of running around to get the plot happening later on and then we do the cold sleep thing we go back in time again eventually and then he sort of does the back to the future thing where <laughs> where he sees himself i guess it's back to the future too where he sees himself on stage playing guitar uh yeah and chuck berry phone call etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> um great stuff and that's actually handled fairly well in the japanese movie uh where he's looking in the window and seeing the thing and um it had been so long i really had not remembered the plot but i also remembered uh, how Heinlein's a good writer. And so when they kept talking about how the car had gone missing, I'm like, I know what happened to the car. I know what happened to the car. Right. I didn't know exactly, but I knew it was him. He had taken his own car. Um, and there's a few other things like that where, uh, he does, it's essentially like a mystery. Uh, there's yeah. red herrings thrown up here and there to distract us from the little clue that he dropped. And it's, oh, chef's kiss of greatness in terms of it being a great time travel book yeah don't care about the characters at all really i like the cat but um why is it that this is so sort of not loved when it is so well done because there's so much you know he invents the roomba in this essentially <laughs> as his first thing and then so many touches like I thought about this, and I don't think, man, this guy's really smart. What's the name of the company that he starts with? Uh, Aladdin. No, Aladdin. no, the first one. Oh. It's named after the product. Hired Girl. Yeah. And who is the person who causes all the problems? <laughs> the Hired Girl. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. These two partners. And then he does the same thing, where he partners up with a married couple. Uh, and <laughs> the difference is... He can see them in their starkers, right? <laughs> he can see them as they really are, as God made them, as opposed to her, who's all confection and lies, right? She's been married multiple times, and the partner uh, sort of fell for her in the same way that he fell for her. Um, she had uh, assets, but uh, it wasn't... She was competent at what she was doing. She was smart enough for the job, but really... The hired girl took over. So it actually plays into uh, Evan's thesis about what's so interesting about this book, which is the technology uh, being at its core. And the plot isn't at that at all. 
but the tech is. And the fact that when you see the Japanese movie in a relief, basically he doesn't invent anything worth anything, right? He doesn't do anything interesting. We see him at the drawing board a couple of times. With a slide rule. With a, well, this, the, with this, the whole plasma battery subplot that apparently he, 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 he basically perfected a way to have perpetual power for his robots. Right. But that's not something Heinlein, you know, is. No, that's Heinlein's saying the opposite. He's saying everything's off the rack and the only important part is putting it together in a new and interesting way. And there's a <laughs> lot of deep philosophy about engineering going on in this book. Right. That I think is very on point where he's saying, this is probably one of the things that stuck with me all these years. In railroad times, you build railroads, right? And it fits with the, the sort of loop de loop aspect of the story as well. It's like a roller coaster in a certain sense. Um, but it has a path and, and it's even more clear in Bayes Bootstraps where you actually have the character having interaction with himself earlier so the dialogue is identical there's nothing more beautiful than that where you 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 have a scene where uh the guy walked in and said i was stupid <laughs> he said quote unquote you're stupid um let me show you how to do this and then you come back to that scene half an hour later and he says i walked in and told the guy he was stupid you're stupid i said <laughs> <laughs> right now oh it's so good right and he has actually done that very well in this the the future uh jobs that he gets the uh, love los angeles you get uh hired uh arrested for barracking and then that zombie drug oh my god so important so interesting an idea right he uses it he gets used uh in the plot on him and then later on there are people who who are sentenced to being zombies or there are people who are kidnapped and turned into zombies. And there's a, a news report about how z- a zombie worker was killed by its owner. It's like, of course, he's working the implications of the tech, whether it's a mm-hmm. biotech mm-hmm. or... Yeah, I did like that. Oh, it's so good. I mean, I mean that, that's timeline that is best, where he's taking, exactly. taking an idea and running through the implications of it. Right, the right, really degree. exploring. And he does that every single time. So the fact that the the capital moves to Denver, well, look, he loved Colorado, so that's why he moves it to Denver. <laughs> but then he says, no, you can't start the business here because it's going to get overrun and it's going to be expropriated for government use. And it's like, I, I, oh, that's logical, right? And Los Angeles is a port and you need lots of supply, shipping and blah, 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 blah. So he is actually not like just half-assing it. He's really thinking through the important parts. And so, yeah, his peccadillos come out. He likes nudity. He likes Colorado. He likes cats. Yeah, I I, I found the nobody who lives in Colorado would ever move to California a bit amusing given his biographies. Like- right. And he moved from Cal- California to Colorado and then – um had many visits back, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, I guess, I guess he, I guess he's putting, a, he's self-inserting his own bio here. One, one weird thing about his future that I thought maybe Evan was thinking about was the whole, the whole bit with the cars. Like, we're producing cars just to destroy them to give people jobs. And I wonder, wonder what yeah. Evan thought about that weird economic model he comes up with. Well, I, th- I think he kind of he stated it. I mean, you're. you're I don't know. I have, I have too much more to add to that, except 
we're doing it, right? Cheese caves, man. That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. Yeah. It's just like it, it's a really strange way to make work. It's like and, 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 well, it's and, not and strange when, at all. That's my point. It's like it's exactly what and, we do. And right? when Dan pushes back at it, it's like, well, this is stupid. Is like, do you want people put people out of a job? Uh, you know what's it, funny, Paul, is that I actually thought quite a, bo- a bit about that in the Japanese adaptation. This is something most people probably don't know about Japan, but they basically make it impossible for you to have old cars. My car is 32 years old this year. It would be impossible for me to have it, uh, given my financial situation. I just, I'm not rich enough to own an old car. What they do is they force owners to sell their relatively recent cars to support the Japanese car industry. And of course, a lot of them get trashed in Japan and recycled so that the industry has more iron to make more cars. But they also sell them overseas because it doesn't hurt the domestic market. Japanese market is incredibly strange compared to the rest of the world. There is a very strange country. They, they don't allow immigration, basically. There's almost no people who are not Japanese in Japan. There's a few people who are foreigners, but they're not allowed to get citizenship it's hard to yeah, it's very hard to assimilate it, 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 you could call it racist or whatever um but is it is what it is and one of the things that you can think about is like it makes them think about their this is something they've thought a lot about since world war ii and having lost it about resources and how to allocate them but more importantly how to keep the economy good so that everybody's employed and keep the country stable and not have gone into uh, a situation that's unstable. So the fact that they have these weird domestic policies, like they trash cars that are five years old, even though they're perfectly fine. I mean, they're Toyotas, for Christ's sake. They'll run forever, right? Um, what do they do? They uh, they will export them. So all of uh, Australia is full of Japanese cars because they're the same right-hand drive. Um, but there's tons here. There's tons of right-hand drive uh, Japanese cars here because the ability to keep those cars on the road is almost impossible because of laws saying you have to uh, basically get rid of it or insurance uh, insure it at a higher rate or there's there, there's all sorts of policies that are designed to do something exactly like what we see in here now what where Heinlein goes the extra step is he says yeah those cars that I'm I'm compressing don't actually have engines and the fit and finish is not there and there's no gauges on them. Um, that actually is, uh, sort of him doing a little bit of satire because most of the time it's actually not on finished goods like that, but it's on, uh, farm goods. Like, uh, in Canada we have milk subsidies. Um, but in the U S obviously you do in the States too. U S it's, uh, it's bought by the government. Basically, the way our subsidies work is you have to get a license to have a, a milk farm. Whereas in the States, it's more like uh, we will buy a certain percentage of your harvest and the rest goes to the domestic market. And then that's where the government cheese comes from. So it, 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 you don't have like fit and finish on cheese. You just have milk, right? More cows mm-hmm. producing. And so... uh Weird distortion effects like all your pop in the States has uh, corn sugar in it. Soda. Mm. Yeah. It's soda, not pop. It depends on Soft what part of the drinks. country you're in. 
Yeah, I mean, it's Coke. I know, in some... I know, but I, I, I give people grief about that all the time. Pop is a verb, <laughs> not a noun. And I live in a place where it is a, where is a verb, where is a noun, not a verb. So I uh, give whatever. It. Yeah, Wisconsin's pop country. Yeah, so is Minnesota. But, yeah, so. whatever. Import- I, I will fight the good fight. All right. Well, w- the important part is it's full of corn syrup. Um, yes. Whereas we don't have that up here. We don't have that. Uh, ours is just sugar because sugar is cheaper in Canada. Corn syrup is cheaper in the States because corn gets subsidies. So running that into the ground, <laughs> um, you have corn in things that, you know, shouldn't be in, have it in it, but because you can. So yeah, I think that was actually more a little bit of satire um, and social commentary or yeah. political commentary than it was uh, or a continuation of that into the future. I think his future, his futurism is really good, right? Even though he gets almost everything wrong, he's really good at what he's doing, um, which is saying technology has massive impacts on our lives, which well, is real well, science fiction. Our hero tries to create useful technology. I think yeah, I mean, that's his, he that's really, his, I'm, he does have a, yeah, he's I mean, on the right actually, side of this question. Yeah. 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 He, he, as he was saying early at the beginning of it, I mean, he actually wants to make things to make women and, men's lives at the home easier and he did that in his own life right his house was full of conveniences and he was always buying computers and and electric typewriters all the things that would make his own life easier his house was all his colorado house is like all tricked out with uh interesting tech ideas because he believed in it he thought that it was labor saving and if you look at the history of the dishwasher which is something i think about a lot (laughs) Um, I keep it chained to the the floor of my kitchen so it doesn't run off because it's my slave. <laughs> um, it does things that I don't want to do, which is scrub dishes all day. Uh, I appreciate my dishwasher, but I'm not going to pay it any more than I give it right now uh, <laughs> because it's well, so how useful. How to you, Jesse? I know I'm a monster, but um, luckily it's not a smart dishwasher, so it doesn't know how it's getting ripped off. But basically... Um, it starts like 1850. Some lady says, this sucks. I hate washing dishes, right? But more importantly, I, I see my servants washing dishes and I have to pay them. So we could have that servant working on something else. And what does that labor saving device do? Eventually, like after World War II, everybody gets dishwashers. Dishwashers ex- had existed since 1850, but they but, get, I- they get hot in 1950. I think well, there's I, an even earlier narrative here of yes. going back to to none other than Catherine Beecher. Are you guys familiar with her? No, tell me more. No, tell us more. Uh, Harry Beecher Stowe's sister. Okay. She was unmarried and not a domestic sphere woman in the traditional sense, but she wrote a book, uh, Treatise on the Domestic Economy, I think it was called. This has been like in the 1850s she wrote this. And basically, she she bought into kind of the separate spheres idea, the idea that there's a woman's spheres and a men's spheres. Mm-hmm. But she said, then we are going to manage and control and run this scientifically. Our sphere is going to be totally dominated by us. And it's going to be our bastion of power in a way. And so in her book, she basically gives women advice on how to use different techniques to more efficiently prepare meals or to plan their day or to do these different domestic tasks, which I, it's not 
quite a technology, but it, it sort of is, right? It's a well, that's efficiency it's, experting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of like a it's almost like a scientific management Fordism. Like, uh, Fordism, but she's doing it in the 1850s or so. So it's well before Fordism is applied in factory. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, this idea that it's necessarily anti-feminist to talk about the domestic sphere seriously as a place where women can have power and and use technologies and things like this to expand their own freedom, I think is not right. Well, uh, the, the domestic sphere is, in a certain sense, the natural place for women. It sounds scary when you say that, right? Um, see? Uh, Jesse. Uh, uh, see? Paul's upset. I wouldn't say it that way, Jesse. I would say... I haven't yes. finished my thought. Let me. It's a cultural imposition that women can take advantage of and, uh, and thought about taking advantage of. If, if you're going to continue the species, you have to make babies. Women are kind of out of action when they are having the baby, but then there's the baby that needs to be nursed. And if you're off on the hunt... Which women did, of course. Um, you could take your baby, but it's not so good for uh, the hunt, right? So there is a kind of logic to this. And it isn't, you know, men are equal to women in all ways, and men can raise babies just as well. I literally cannot suckle babies. If I had some hormone shots, Heinlein might have wrote, written a novel that would allow me to do that. Maybe that's even in an Heinlein story, right? Where you get some hormone shots and the men can nurse babies too. But usually he's actually do- going the opposite way. He's saying we don't even have the baby being uh, gestated inside the woman. It- it's all done out of vitro <laughs> or now, in vitro. Now, now, now you're thinking of Bujold and uterine replicators. That's it. Well, and, no, uh, and she, explo- she, she explores in, her, in, 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 the, in the Bokasia novels the, the consequences of Women not having to basically give birth and the liberation that provides. Yeah, but I'm saying Podkane of Mars did it first. Um, the, she is technically younger than her little brother, but she was decanted first, right? Um, and they're both, uh, being raised by parents who didn't gestate them. The parents had them raised in, uh, uterine, Tubes well, but whatever. I would and argue Podcane of Mars. I mean, yes, it was written 40 years before the Bujold novels, but I, I would argue that Bujold does Heinlein better than Heinlein in, ex- in trying to explore, well, what does this, what does this technology mean for society, mean for women as a gender? Heinlein does, in Podcane Mars, doesn't explore that as thoroughly as Bujold does. Uh, How can that work? I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that since we're talking about a Heinlein novel and yes. he's thinking about uh, d- domestic labor saving devices, the thing about domestic labor saving devices is it's almost always thought of as, you know, like I'm not allowed in my mom's kitchen, basically. <laughs> she says, stay out of the K zone. I'm like, okay. <laughs> now I am allowed in there when she's not there, but it's her space to dominate. Usually, uh, there's a room in the house that's for men, right? It's the den. Or there's a, and yeah, you might have cohabitation rooms, but there used to be like a smoking room and a billiards room and there would, uh, there, they would have these clubs so that the domestic, and the thing is, is I'm not saying this is how it should be. I, I can hear Trish see- seething in the background. <laughs> I'm just saying this is like 
how it has been for a long time. And Heinlein's always thinking about, well, maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe we can liberate uh, women from this using tech in the same way that we liberate men using tech. Uh, they don't have to ride across the country uh, on a horse. They can drive across the country or rocket across the country. And of course, it works equally well for women. But the fact Jesse, that he's... you've been talking a long time. Mesa, you want to go next? Uh, well, um, he did. He did, okay. He did a lot of labor-saving um, inventions <laughs> for women, but he he spent just almost as much time doing labor-saving inventions for men too. Like I'm not I'm not going down the gender uh, lines on 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 his devices um, because drafting Dan was mm. was for himself and for and for men and on the Roomba. I oh, and for women, he says, right? And for women, and for women. So, um, you know, uh, it's not, it, I don't think it is just for, for, for women in, in the house. I think actually that could be for both, really. Mm. His inventions were for everybody. I felt like his, he was trying to invent to, to save labor and save time across the board. The first one, a uh, hired I, I girl. I agree with that, but I think he does talk about hired girls specifically as helping women. He does. He does talk about hired girl as helping women, but but then but then his other inventions were for uh, other yeah. people, for everybody. Yeah, I agree. And 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 beyond that, once you've once you've opened the door and saved the labor in the household for whoever that is, that just opens it up to let everybody into the general, um, you know, world space. Hundred percent. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit and talk about the domestic sphere idea. Um, the idea that, okay, the woman can have her domain at the home and the men going out, you know, that obviously restricts choices <laughs> and that that's a bad thing for human rights. Um, uh, and also, you know, to say that the woman controls her domestic Dick sphere that she only gets to control it in as much as the money comes in from the outside sphere through husband or father or whatever. So, um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I get that, 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 but that's not, I think, how people in the 19th century necessarily thought of it or how necessarily women necessarily thought of it. It's, for instance, well, um, if we look at like reform movements in the 19th century, antebellum reforms, for instance, so much of it was dominated by women and those were public areas it wasn't mm -hmm. in the within the boundaries of the home it was in newspapers in social movements protests writing government pushing for law so it was aggressively public but it was like within the domestic sphere intellectually so they would deal with things like anti-prostitution temperance um even the anti-slavery movement um, even though that was, there was always like the male organizations, there was always the parallel women's anti-slavery society. And they would say, slavery is, we agree with the men that slavery is bad for all these reasons, but we also say it's wrong because it degrades, uh, the family, right? So basically slavery makes all these enslaved women, um, Sinners because they're not married because slavery didn't, you know, slaves weren't allowed to be married legally, right? They were informally married, but not legally. 
So they would say this makes this is a, a moral. It makes enslaved women like in in these relationships of sin. So that's the women's job to to, to talk about that. Um, and in so many ways, I think it was a way for the the Cypress Sphere's idea was a way for them to be public and control money. Like women at that time couldn't, if they were married, didn't have property, right? Right. But if they were the head of the temperance society of Philadelphia or whatever, they could control vast amounts of resources and not only write articles and give speeches and push for laws. So I, I think in the context of the 19th century, the, the separate, it's not, you can't just say separate spheres are limiting to women. That's, I guess that's my point. Um, yes, you can. That's, that's really esoteric. <laughs> that's really getting into a historical kind of rabbit hole. I'm sorry for that. Uh, all right. That is a rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> um, but I wanted to get back to something else that's going to annoy Jesse. <laughs> oh, um, okay. You, you, uh, Feel that the plot is a chef's kiss. I, although I know the how that this is how the idea for the book arose, I felt that the entire time travel plot was unnecessary. Uh, uh, the time machine uh, part of the plot. I had this wonderful feeling when I was reading the book that I thought I knew what was going to happen, and I was all excited for um, Ricky becoming a, a brilliant engineer herself <laughs> taking i thought that those patents uh filed by uh dandy davis were actually finished and submitted by ricky who had grown up into an engineer and she her style was very similar to dan's because she got all her inspiration from him and so i thought it was going to be a plot about wow uh she grew up and started the um uh, whatever the Aladdin, uh, rival company and she submitted the patents and, you know, turns out to be brilliant. Uh, 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 and I was really looking forward to that turning into the plot. And then no, it turns out that, uh, Dan went back in time and did everything else. And I can understand that that was, you know, technically certainly the challenge that Heinlein set out to do, but I had my beautiful, exciting female <laughs> empowerment plot taken away from me. <laughs> so I was very it disappointed. It would have made a great novel. I think it yeah, would be right there. Yeah. I, I, but the, in the movie, it gives you just a taste of it. Yeah, like the, the movie, movie does that a little bit. Like, they, they make mm-hmm. her a successful scientist in her own right. That was right. a good thing about that But movie. it's irrelevant oh. to the plot. It's yeah. irrelevant yeah, to the plot. I, I, may, I, I mean, I, maybe they couldn't. It doesn't do what you're like, saying. Yeah, they couldn't no. get away with doing that in the movie. It would have been nice if they did, though. That would have been that would that would have been a better reinterpretation of Highline for today and what we what what would be would have been better had they tried that. I I, I had that thought too, uh, Trish, but I but I didn't actually think it would ever happen given how all the female characters were written throughout. It it didn't make any sense that it was going to go that way. Aww. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I know it was, but, but, but it's interesting because, you know, later on, Heinlein does have intelligent women who actually do things instead of just falling in love and, and or manipulating men. 
mm-hmm. but I guess it was just too early in his career for him to think of some think along those lines mm-hmm. or to write along those lines. Well, but Maybe he could also, sell a book like that back but then. But it's also just not like this is this is essentially uh, if you change it up like that, what you're you don't have that loop, right? So it yeah. becomes it, it it becomes a like oh we thought it was going to be this and then it turns out to be that other thing. Then you lose that loop part, and because we actually have that little loop at the beginning as well, where he's in this situation, then we find out he's an alcoholic suddenly, and then <laughs> he he just gets out of it. And then we find out the backstory, and then he does all these things to make to fix the problem to get revenge, and then he doesn't get revenge, and revenge can't you know like all that stuff. Uh, that's the imp- that's the interesting part is that he's actually doing like a um, it's like a figure skating thing, right? Whereas, yeah. so like uh, you could have a a story where two figure skaters are doing something and they're setting up something, and then what one of them you know flies off the off the screen. Um, but it, it, the important part was that the loop happens. Um, you know, Jesse, earlier when you were saying who. Who is who is Heinlein? Who is who's representing Heinlein in this? Right. Um, I thought at what at the very end, um, it was interesting when he talked about could there have been parallel parallel existences right. where um, and and like this actually happened and 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 Pete died because right. <laughs> lonely and and she grew up and then he said and and what about how what what would have happened if I didn't see if I did see my name in the paper and mm-hmm. I did go running after myself and then he says. Um, he says, "What I have, what would I have done?" And he says, um, "It could never have happened that way. The control is a negative feedback type with a built-in failsafe because the very existence of that line of print depended on my not seeing it. Right. The apparent possibility that I might have seen it is one of the excluded not possibles of the basic circuit design." So he's talking about a supernatural engineer, which is kind of what, what he was doing himself. What Dan was doing in the story yes. was writing the story as he went back. So he was doing it in the story. And now he's giving this, you know, this supernatural entity the same kind of um, d- driving. And the, the supernatural thing. entity is Heinlein. It's Heinlein. Yeah. yeah. That's who I think Heinlein actually is. That's mm-hmm. a, the, it, it's, it's like a, a beautiful technical uh, execution. But when you <laughs> drill down and you say, why is this scene necessary? Cause he's a nudist. That's why that scene is necessary. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I could deal, I could, you know, say, you know, he didn't have to do it this way. As, as to it being an inter, inter, uh, time travel love story. Yeah, I think that's not very good. And there is, I mentioned it earlier. I didn't credit it properly though. Uh, there is a, a uh, story called Time Bride, which is, I think, from Asimov's November 83, um, written by Jack Dan and, is it Jack Dan? Um, oh, Gardner Duzois is one of the, and uh, the other guy's Dan. Um, they co-authored this short story or novelette or whatever, which is, um, it's essentially the creepy part of this story, uh, told from the perspective of the little girl who keeps getting visited by this future guy who says, you're going to marry me when you grow up. And Trish is going to love this story because it's, she says, no, I goddamn am not. Yay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it is engaging with this, this sort of minor aspect of, of the story, um, in order to, uh, say, yeah, we don't like this. Uh, and the thing is, is it is the case that more, 
older men are generally older in marriages than women. It's not always the case. I know of many exceptions, right? Um, I have, I'm friends with many people who are married to, uh, uh, to women, um, men and women who are married to, uh, spouses who are in the reverse case, you know, like by decades sometimes. But it has been for most of human history the other way around. And so the fact that, yeah, she's not old enough to marry him. He knows that it's not societally appropriate, but if, if Edgar Allan Poe were the main character in this story, if he somehow inserted himself into this science fiction story or had a version of himself, um, that would not be an issue. He just marries his 13 year old cousin as it is, right? But it is as time goes by, we think like, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's really interesting. And it might be this, I don't know if it's the same in Korea, uh, in Japan, but in Korea, it is very unusual for women to get married before the age of 27. It's almost like never happens. And it's a cultural thing, right? So why is that? Is it because they need to go to school and study up? Um, that's a theory, but it is just the common cultural practice that women don't get married until their late 20s. And if you were like 22 years old and you got married, that'd be unusual. It is changing. It's becoming more free now, but that was the standard since 30, well, 40 I th- years. I, I think in the in the West as well, the average age of women get married has been increasing in the last uh, 100%. 100%. Um, years. Oh, and of course, mm-hmm. there's a lot less marriage as well. There's just people who are in relationships, right? Um, and whether they call them person the partner or the spouse or whatever. And, you know, it's, we're becoming a lot more loosey goosey with this, with this stuff. But, um, my well, mom, that's not just some inexplicable quirk that in large part is because women now don't have to get married to support themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, it used to be always the man was older because he had the property and, and, uh, you know, <laughs> the wealth in any money based society, uh, mm-hmm. older men would have more of it. Um, and uh, uh, women, of course, didn't have it at all. So you'd marry them, marry off your daughters as soon as you reasonably could to stop having to support them. Um, and now, of course, uh, 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 women make their own money um, uh, to a slightly unequal extent, but <laughs> much better than it used to be. My mom ran yeah, away we're from... We're almost at the stage where, where marriage is obsolete, because as soon as incomes are equal and in much of the world that's not the case right um but as societies develop that's going to be increasingly the case and then marriage would just be unnecessary my mom ran right. away from because it's only okay. it only like, exists to control women doing. anyways right that's the only reason marriage exists is to control women well probably traditionally but certainly in in current times marriages are make an easy binding contract that you will share your fortunes and raise children together. And it's just a lot easier than trying to buy a house on your own or whatever. Ha, um, good luck with that today. Yeah. So it's just, for, it's, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Was, was it, in, was it I, in I this agree. book? That, I agree. Yeah. I'm with you. Was it in this book where he said, uh, there'll be marriage contracts in the future where I'll take you for two years and that's yes. the end of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that already exists in history, right? You have you had that in 
in the Islamic world. It's a it's a trope in science. I think it's in well. Shia Islam, right? Or it's uh, I don't know if it was in Sunni Islam, but, but where temporary marriages. I, I think they were used for like merchants or something. Like a merchant would go hmm. be like two years in, in Baghdad or something. It's a so contract. It's it helps have with a two-year marriage right? wife. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a contractual thing. Yeah. But it, it helps I, I like establish business idea. roots and stuff. So you you're in like the you community. Like if you do your marriage every year, like a like a like your driver's license uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or insurance for your car. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I want to point out that this is a book largely about insurance, divorce. too, which it doesn't make a lot of sense for it to be about insurance, but it hey, is. There's is as much insurance in here as a Donald Westlake novel. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but but w- w- for what purpose? Like, why are these insurance companies involved in it? And the thing is, is Heinlein did his first story. He's called The Year of the Jackpot, um, and it is about uh, predicting life. Uh, long, and he talks about algorithmic tables or whatever right. in this as well. So, um, this is actually related to marriage as well. Like you, when you get married, you say, I'm going to have 30 working years or 26 working years. We're going to get the mortgage paid off in this, but we need insurance to, but the thing is, is if you, if you can time travel and you can see what the future's like, you can make all the right bats and not make all well, the wrong bats. It, it, right, and that makes me think of uh, the Highline story Lifeline, where, where That's, Pinero... That yeah, might where, be where, the one I'm thinking of, rather you than Year of the Jackpot. Year, yeah, yeah, Year of the Jackpot is where, th- where right. things all crash and things and weird things happen all at once. Yeah, Lifeline is, yeah, Pinero can it's lifeline. tell you how long you're going to live, and so the insurance companies freak out and have him murdered because he's ruining their business. Yeah, you're going to die yeah. tomorrow. Why? Because you found out... <laughs> Oh, wait a <laughs> Fuck with our business. Right, right. And I remember in Time Enough for Love that Lazarus Slung actually met Pinero, got himself measured, and Pinero threw him out of his office. Mm. Wouldn't tell him the result. Well, we because Lazarus Long lives for thousands of years, yeah. but potentially forever. And I guess so Pinero It is something that. Heinlein's thinking about. And, and the thing is, is insurance doesn't really need to be in this, but it actually fits with the idea that if you can predict what the future will be like, uh, then you don't need insurance, right? If, if, especially if we're on a track that can't be changed. And there is some play with that. But ultimately, I, I, I really well, like. Ultimately, this is a cl- closed loop and everything that happens happens and there's no deviation from it. And yeah, he talks about, oh yeah, the alternate world where Pete dies alone. But really, this is a fixed track and we're just rolling, going through that roller coaster. He, he makes he that really much- clear at the end. Yeah. That's what he says. Yeah. yeah. But I think yep. it's really important to think about that sentimentalness of it, which is he likes and loves his cat and his cat <laughs> likes him, right? So the reason all this rigmarole was all worth it is because they have a nice relationship and they had a nice relationship with their uh, the now wife and uh kid <laughs> uh, have a nice relationship with their cat that continues. And thinking about you know, 30 years down the road, you won't have your, your favorite cat. Now you can. Um, you would want to put your pets into cold sleep and just have them out for the summers, you know? Oh, oh, oh yes, 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 I took notes. That reminds me of a Carl Schrader novel called Lockstep. And I've in Lockstep, what's that? I've heard of I've, that one. I've, I've, I may have mentioned it before in the podcast. So basically, he has these societies go into cold sleep and only come out for a while because they're living. 
and then work, work busily and then go back into cold sleep. And this way, they're kind of time traveling their way into the future while the rest of human society over hundreds and thousands of years rises and falls. These cold sleepers kind of come out. It's almost like a fairyland sort of thing as well. They come out, mm. they do their business, and then they go back into cold sleep again and again. And in this way, march forward into the future and see the march of civilization and progress. Sadly, he's not written more novels in that in that world because I guess they did, the first one didn't do well, but I liked it a lot. Well, now you're making me think of Lois McMaster Bujold's Cryomancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, Cryoburn. Uh, sorry oh cryoburn yeah you're yeah, right yeah exactly um, where where the entire elite oligarchy of the world is sleepers uh and they just have you know because of their investments they own all the property um and then of course there's a question of can you control or manipulate the sleepers but yeah the whole e- entire economy of that world is based on cryosleep that's mm-hmm. also the yep. uh, bad guys in Neuromancer, or a, f- a family that just sleep all the time in their space space mansion, and they they heist it. Um, I, I, there's a website called Technology. The guy on Twitter I follow, um, I don't know his name, but he he's worked on this website for decades. It seems um, he lists uh, technologies in books and then compares them and then talks about uh, you know what how they relate to our our world. So here's a list of all the technologies that um, that are listed in this novel. Drafting Dan, and he says this is born before uh, CAD, computer-aided mm-hmm. design. Eager Beaver, your friendly robot helper. Um, flexible Frank, the all-purpose household robot. Um, and that's the one that basically is not just for cleaning floors, but for cleaning the whole house and put, loading the dishwasher, right? There's the original hired girl robot, uh, robotic floor maintenance, and that's the Roomba, right? Uh, rodea- a radioactive coating for checks. This is not one that Dan does, but one that Dan comes to uh, tell us about. A uh, robotic hand for uh, dexter- dexterous manipulation. Um, usually that's called a Waldo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. Which, After which another which science fiction story mm-hmm. by Heinlein. Yep. Stasis, uh, the cold sleep. He didn't invent that exactly, but he does it pretty well in here. And uh, I, I also like to think about that image. They kind of did it badly in the Japanese movie. Um, it's a boob tube <laughs> where you have somebody in a glass tube or a, a giant uh, test tube, and and then there's a, somebody working the levers. Nearby, it's it's sort of a pulp image, right? The source and memory tube. I mean, we've seen plenty of pulp covers where generally it's a damsel in distress trapped in the tube. Yeah, sometimes it's reversed. So so Dan tweeted the reverse yesterday or the day before. Source and memory tube. That's the basically it's a computer component that allows for machine learning. Which yeah, we which have is more of it. Well, but it's even, but the source of memory is even more advanced than anything we have now. In a certain I mean, sense, it is. But uh, all the stuff on the, um, uh, you know, building our cars, uh, use essentially that. There's routines, right? And there are lots. Of, there are actually all sorts of like if you look at glass recycling, right? Uh, you can throw your entire glass bottle, including the lid and the paper, uh, into your bin, and what happens is. Um, sensors say this is not glass and, and kick it out with a uh, little jet of air and 
you know, they, it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically, uh, he's, you know, condensed it down to one thing, but a couple more, uh, universal checkbook, uh, radioactive checking, fully ent- electronic banking system, which allows easy withdrawal yeah, they, funds they, from they, any it, bank. Yeah, mm-hmm. he gets, he, he, he mentions the ATM, but he doesn't think about transaction fees. There are no transaction fees in this universe. Uh, well, when <laughs> I, I, I wrote that down in my it's notes. It's not exactly so the ATM because it, it seems more like the debit card, right? Like you can, you go to the store and you swipe your thing. Um, and lastly, uh, and more importantly, this is yet another of the domestic ones, the window willy, robotic help for dirty windows. And remember, he says, you can't believe how much expensive it is to hire people to clean your windows. Um, there are professional window cleaners, uh, who, you know, work in those tall buildings, those giant glass monstrosities mm-hmm. and going down the side. But he's just talking about like home, home windows, but you could definitely do the same. And maybe they are roboticizing that, but it is uh, like of the technologies that Dan works on. The only one that's actually for outside the home is eager beaver. All the rest of them are domestic. Hired girl, flexible. Uh, oh, um, yeah. Flexible Frank is domestic. Eager beavers is, uh, could be at home, but it, it could be in a business setting too. I, I thought that that's really interesting that he invents a lot of the tech that's in the story. And then we see it de- having developed right later on, although it's made more explicit in the Japanese one. Um, and then it also has this other level of it's a time travel story, which is itself another form of science fiction. So he's actually kind of got two kind of different science fiction things going on at once. One is the effect of technology upon society. And then the other is it's a time travel story. Which should make it more, uh, resonant in the mind. But yeah, it, this, this is sort of forgettable book. But we also yeah. forgot to mention Idiocracy. Because in Idiocracy, we have, we have our protagonists go forward in time. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to get back. In, it turns out he can't. But I mean, the plot of Idiocracy is basic, basically, uh, Joe's attempt to try to get back to, back to the present. That's based on There's a C.M. Cornblow story. Like right, right, yeah. right. But, but in C.M. Cornblow, he's not trying to. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a feature of the movie that's yeah, not in the story. Definitely. The movie is much better than the, the story as a piece of entertainment and int- uh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's also the – it's the premise for Futurama, right? Pizza delivery boy. Oh, there's a Futurama ep- – but actually, there's a couple of things about Futurama I wanted to say. Go for but, it. But uh, the idea of going to the future and – trying to like go like it's a the professor only invents a forward going time machine and they accidentally go forward too far so they keep trying to go forward until they can find people who have invented a backwards going time machine wait, wait, and they and, never and, can find done a podcast on that one yeah fl- flying to forever by planes flight they to even talk about yeah. here that the amount of energy going backward in time increases a lot and that's exactly what happens to flight into forever why he keeps going forward to try to find something to circumvent that but anyways, what what I wanted to say about Futurama, not this, because you just you brought up the future, the, the 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 desire to go back thing. That's why I talked about that. But the how much Futurama's time travel paradoxes and conversations are very similar to this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because other works developed this, or because the people who wrote Futurama were super smart and read this book. Mm-hmm. But so, like, especially Bender's Big Score, which was a, a movie they did. Yeah, I think. special. 
Yeah, that was a movie special they did after, after the, the first time they were canceled. Yeah. yeah, but that one probably does the most with the time travel. Um, and it involves going backwards in time and freezing yourself into the f- to go to the future. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, so watch Bender's Big Score. It's, it's, it's complex. I can't describe it all, but it's it does cool stuff. And also, like, the same character being in the same place at the same time. Mm, fun stuff. Um, for an extended period, Lars is Fry, right, mm-hmm. in Bender's Big Score. And then Bender's doing the same thing. The cool thing about that is Bender's has his own version of this because he's going back in time and just hanging out for uh, thousands of years. Yeah, they, they do that in Star Trek yeah. Next Generation with with uh, Data with being on a planet for thing. yeah yeah on a planet for two hundred years on Earth, right? Yeah, I, I, there's a couple of ones where Data, I believe, yeah. or maybe it's no, that's a Voyager one where they. Uh, oh no, that's <laughs> no, that's the, um, <laughs> the what's the what's the replacement for Star Trek? That's the comedy. That one, they have a robot Orville. Orville, Orville yeah, so. The yeah. Orville robot goes down to a planet that experiences time at a much faster rate, and he's down there for 20 minutes and comes. Yeah. He's been down there for 6,000 years or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in Bender's big score, it's, he goes back in time to steal like precious thing artifacts, like the Mona Lisa or something. Right. And he'll just like wait and say, Oh, here, I've been waiting. <laughs> I just come up at this exact moment to deliver this to you. And I'm going to go back in time again. And he's like, He's like billions of years old. Bender's like billions of years old because of this. <laughs> they do it in Hitchhikers too. Marvin, Marvin gets stuck in time for. Oh, that's right. That's right, right. He takes ago. a slow path. That's right. Yeah. Because they go yeah. forward to the restaurant, and he's stuck mm-hmm. there parking he's cars. Stuck there, right? Moving <laughs> cars. Wow. So, um, yeah. If this is if this is the worst of Heinlein, uh, it, I think other people will probably think there's worst. Um, it's pretty good. It has some issues, but I think it's, it's the plot that I appreciated. It's, it is nice and tight. And I, I really like that line about him not seeing the thing in the newspaper. But I, I want to ask also, like, um, is he, is he in the same facility as himself when they're both sleeping? Like, no, he's not in the insurance companies. Yeah. 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 But, uh, wouldn't it have been better? Like, to, so I always think about these time travel stories. Uh, there's like a lock box with 16 different keys and locks, right? And you can put a message in one, uh, at, you know, 1920. You put a message in there, say, uh, buy, uh, uh, um, uh, go to this place and uh, dig here and you'll find the stuff that I buried for you now, right? And he uses yeah, this. Yeah, leave a lo- letter with the lawyer to forward to yourself right. in X years. And then, uh, he opens another one, um, time traveling, right? in the future and it's got a key inside and it opens one of the other lock boxes and they do this in the original uh Bill and Ted where he says wouldn't it be convenient if uh we need a car he says well my dad has a car uh and he says well where would you have parked it right behind there and then look behind there's the car right and they said well, at the end at the end we have to remember to go park the car there that's right Ted. right there's a there's a there's a number of time travel uh, role playing games, um, mm, like for example, uh, where, where where that's basically 
you okay if you set you can do that you can make a world say yeah i plan that and then you have to do it or otherwise bad things happen to you in the timeline if you don't actually follow through to actually make what you said happen happen right which i think is a really neat mechanic like yeah you can have the car there but then in the future you gotta put the car there or else you can become unstable in time because you've made a paradox you'll fade away like the kid in Back to the like future. Like Back to the Future, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because that was interesting. At one point, he said, "Should I go in there and kill myself?" Right. Right. So all those little yeah. asides like that are, are like, I would never do that. <laughs> That's why they're fun. Ultimately, I think a lot of time travel stories like this and loops are puzzles for the writer and the reader. And if you don't like those kind of puzzles. You're not going to like the story. As an intellectual exercise, they can be interesting working out the implications. Like, what if I did go kill myself? What would happen? And trying to just have the rest of through. the book blank. In the end, by his bootstraps and all you zombies, which, by the way, I found out is the last short story Heinlein ever wrote, are basically just boiling all down to that, boiling down as much as you possibly can to the idea and nothing else. Mm. What year was all you zombies? 70. Really? It's that late? I hadn't yeah. realized. Well, so he actually wrote this first. Yeah. Oh, yes. Very interesting. Uh, By his bootstraps was way earlier, though, right? That was the forties. That's that's forties or 50s. so. They're kind of uh, they're kind of bookending. It's a story. trilogy. It's a trilogy. It's a series, Jesse. <laughs> Not oh, exactly. No, One of the time travels series. is is very different, right? And the other two are, uh, well, whatever. Um, he uses cold sleep a, quite a bit, I think, later in other books. Um, but he's usually for star travel or something like that, right? Maybe not. Right. Um, well, yeah, I, I think it. I think it shows up in uh, Time Enough for Love or or the other one. No, 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 not, not the story that bef- before them, where they're going around to the various planets. They're in cold sleep for a while. The uh, um, the, 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 the the Howard family is when they're traveling between the stars. They use cold sleep, I mm. believe. Yeah, I just want to, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Just mention another story that this made me think of was um, one of the long arm of Gil Hamilton stories by uh, Larry Niven, where um, there has been cold sleep and a lot of cold sleepers um, uh, are still there and people want to pass a law to declare them all, well, a lot of them, their stocks went bad and they went bankrupt, but they're still being kept alive. And the uh, uh, society, a lot of people want to pass laws to declare these people dead and harvest their organs because organs. Corpsicles. Right. 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 Yeah. And Um, so I was thinking of that in the beginning when he gets woken up and people are being mean to him and the judge says, you, you people, you know, just put yourselves to sleep to let society solve your problem for you. And so that, yeah, and that, that really made me. There's a Philip K. Dick novel um, right. where Crack all the black people, fits? yeah, are put yeah, into Crack in space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, black and brown people are put into corpsicles. and nobody wants to unfreeze yeah. them because of the social problems. But oh, but wow. Patricia makes me think of um, the the um, a world out of time or the first chapter of any Rammer where we have a where we have someone oh. going to cold sleep and then come out and he's. Or in the future, That's and he a gets ter- terrific short story, and the and then, novel's then he gets, okay. Winds up as a star sh- yeah, the, the novel wasn't as great as short story. Short story, short really story is hard as hard as fucking nails. I love it. It's it's yeah. it's hard science fiction, but more importantly, it's noir. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree that the rest of the novel doesn't hold up to that. No, 
first chapter. Well, I think we did pretty well with this uh, very turgid book. Turgid. <laughs> <Jesse. laughs> I'm just quoting people whose opinions are correct. Something I've been really struggling with. What's that? Um, so I got a... I, I had to agree to teach more seventh grade next year, but I get a twelfth year, a grade twelve honors seminar, and uh, the topic's going to be science fiction and social issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about this, but nice. I, I definitely want one Philip Dick novel, and I just don't know. I can't decide. Hmm. What do you guys think? I would. I would think. Um. Maybe that uh, Vulcan's Hammer. I know it's a kind of not a popular choice, but it is a very soci- or Doctor Futurity. They're very. That's also a cold sleep novel, isn't it? Or is that just regular time travel? I don't know. Um, they're that's both. Oh, that's Doctor Futurity. Is just like some. He's just driving and he's in the future. It's like one of those yeah. 19th century utopian novels, or just some device. Okay, bye, Trish. Bye, get. Trish. Bye, Trish. Oh, bye, bye, Trish. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, if you I only like pick those novels, but solar lottery is interesting. They're all interesting. Those early ones I love. That's the problem. I don't know. Thanks. Well, can't you pick some short stories instead? I, oh, I'm certainly would, they would, I would be doing short stories. That's the exciting thing about this. I got a whole year with them mm. five times a week. That's Read really a good. couple stories a week, throw in a couple novels. Make sure they're. I, I can do a lot of coverage. fast moving and entertaining because they're going to get pissed yeah. if they're not right. Throw in some Alfred Vester to shake them up. The roller coasters—that's pretty terrific. You know about that story? Alfred Vester? Yeah, the roller coasters. Oh no, it's a. I read his novels. Two novels. So this is a short story about a. Uh, uh, a society like ours, except it's in the fifties, I guess, um, that's being, uh, trolled by people from the future. And basically it's a lot like passengers by, uh, mm-hmm. Silverberg. Um, p- people from the future can inhabit our bodies and, uh, do things with them. And, uh, they treat us like an amusement park and AKA the roller coaster. So they like go around, um, uh, murdering people and torturing people because it doesn't matter. They're not real people sort of thing. Uh, is that social? Uh, it's certainly <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, it's horrific, but it's also one it's nice and short and it shakes you up, um, to palate cleanse you for, you know, your next story. So you, if you only do Philip K. Dick stories, you got a lot of paranoid, uh, men. <laughs> Worried of their robots, uh, robots are fucking their wives, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is our issues, of, certainly. But uh, yeah, there's there's some other uh, other it's stuff. Just, like every, I was looking at the novels today, the my bookshelf, and it's like, yeah, I want to teach that one. And then the very next book, it's like, dude, they're all great in that book. Yeah, <laughs> they're all yeah, they're all so good. Uh, Wells is not doesn't you don't like reading Wells, but you benefit from it. Like he's that kind of old mean version of the Time Machine. I think I might just show that old older Time Machine, not the new. Time I haven't machine, seen the which, older Time Machine movie. I don't think the if, new one is not that new anymore. Yeah, right? no, no, it's new in quotes. It's like twenty years, but yeah. there's a is much that older that one. 
my god. Paul, uh, what's the movie? Is it Somewhere in Time that's about a guy who falls in love with a, a girl's 2002, picture? 2002, and then there's a two, Yes, yes, yeah, the Christopher Reeve and uh, Jane Seymour movie. Yes, that's Somewhere in Time. That's Richard uh, Matheson. Yeah, Matheson, yeah. Richard yeah, Matt. so it's kind yeah, of so reverse time bride. <laughs> yeah, that's reverse time. He right. falls in because love with I, a, I, an old lady. Full, I, right, the now. lady says, "Come back and find me." And he's he's going, "Wait, what?" And right. then, yeah. So they're like uh, lovers of the wrong age, right? Lovers in the wrong, yeah, the wrong time and space, yeah. So uh, there's there's some fun things that can be done with it, and uh, I I don't think I mean I think Heinlein can be icky, but I didn't think this is very icky at all. This one. I thought it was, um, it no, just, I, I, I disagree, Jesse. Well, little... it, I, I didn't think it was icky, but you can say it was icky if you like. I'm just saying. I found I fa- I have found it icky. There were <laughs> icky aspects to it. Icky ticky tabby. But there was some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, if I didn't think about, I mean, if I didn't think about Ricky, I liked the time loop and and the implications and the weird and the and the weird uh, alternate future, as it turns out. That, that isn't matching out. Which the same thing in but the movie. It was, I mean, what's so cool is it was an alternate future when I first read it. 1970 wasn't anything like his 1970, right? Right. <laughs> so, yes, so it's, alternate, it's an alternate timeline entirely. It, it just exists on its own. Is like this is some guy writing the 50s thinking about what the 70s are going to be like and then some guy in the 70s is thinking about what the 2000s is going to be like. And yeah, <laughs> he's wrong everywhere but he's also pretty dead on in many ways uh especially in terms of plotting but uh yeah is it is it just um could you have excised that and would it have made it a richer story because i think that one of the reasons it's in there is not because heinlein loves pervin on the young girls i I believe the girl's middle name uh, is virginia which is his own wife's name right Mm -hmm. um he may have said to her at some point, I'm robbing the cradle because she was much younger than him, but she wasn't like 12 years old when he married her. Right. Um, but the thing is, is it is another thing about time travel is people age. And one of the bad things about aging is you get old and you feel like I was thinking about Pete dying, uh, before, uh, Ricky could see her again, him again. Right. That would be bad. But Ricky aging uh, and then seeing uh, the cat again, that's a, a super positive thing. Um, it'd be like seeing your pet when you were a kid again. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. A pet who's long dead? Oh, my God. You'd probably give almost <laughs> anything for that. But it's not. it's so far not a possibility that nobody would ever consider it. But... I think that's one of the things people would certainly do first is is they would preserve their pets just for summers. And the the whole metaphor of uh, the door into summer versus winter was winter being the, it's very poetic. I I think he did her like a really good job with this book. I don't find it uh, icky because I was thinking it's kind of necessary if you're going to have this weird uh, time travel aspect is somebody can age faster than someone else. Well, if it's your brother, what consequence does that have? None, right? It's just your brother's now older than you. That's if, interesting, if, but it's if not. Ricky, if, if Ricky was an adult at the start, at, instead of a 12-year-old, I wouldn't have any problem with with. But with, that, with, would, with, would that make it, the story make sense? Like, would the, it would, So she's an adult, and she wants to see her 
uh, the, her, the guy she wants to marry have a bigger bald spot? That makes no sense. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, 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 but I just, I mean, he's already oblivious, so make him oblivious to her love for him. Yeah, like he just yeah. moved everybody a little. Well, over. he wasn't he completely oblivious. He knew that she wanted to marry him, right? I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, just, I mean, but he's he's a he's already a fixated and focused engineer. He doesn't even, wouldn't even think about that. The only thing Man, that would make it make sense is like if his, if he had to serve a jail sentence or something, and then she went into into uh, cold sleep for twenty years so he could get out, you know. Well, prison romances are a different thing. Entirely. Well, actually, I was no, I was actually thinking a little bit about how it is kind of a prison romance, um, and uh, what, yeah, like it, it because he's gone for uh, you know prisons. This is a reality for a lot of kids that they don't see their parent for a long time. So that would be another. And I think there was a movie I just watched that had that the oh yeah, it was that. Um, uh, it's actually a pretty good ideas movie. Um, it's called The Tomorrow War. It's a prime movie with Chris oh, Pratt. Oh, I, I saw that one with uh, with uh, with um, Chris Pratt. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good movie, Micey. You you probably like it. I might have seen it. It's a uh, it's on Prime. Yeah, it's kind of forgettable, but basically it's a it's a combination of uh, that Tom Cruise one where he keeps reliving the same day. Um, yeah. Along with. Um, Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. Edge, Edge of Tomorrow. Also, kind of like oh, everybody, I love the trolling on Twitter right now. It says, oh, you wanted to, uh, you, you stand with Ukraine. I don't see you signing up. They're actually recruiting right now. It's all these people saying, oh, well, you know, I, I'm too old. Or do they accept, like, do they accept people like me? <laughs> it's like, um, you know, put up or shut up sort of situation. But that movie is like, it's not an amazingly good movie. But one of the things that happens in it is kind of a relationship like we see in this book where, um, he has a daughter. He, she, it, yeah, it actually is a nice companion. She, uh, is going to grow up to be a scientist. We know this because he goes forward to this time war and sees her there and she's a scientist. She gives him the technology. He goes back in time and solves the war before it starts. No, um, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. Um, it's not amazing. It's kind of dumb in some places. Um, and it is mostly family drama other than the good science fiction premise. But it's hard to, uh, if, if you really want to explore the idea of aging and, um, and time travel and, you know, having people age at different rates, um, there are other books, I guess, like, uh, Joe Haldeman's Forever War does that a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, we did do that one. Yeah, well, yeah, we're, 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 uh, we're, those are where adults. The female love interest does wait for him, but at least mm-hmm. they're both adults. It's not like this. Yeah, but, you know. And she does wait for him on the time shuttle thing, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was not super squeaked out by it. It was just the way she said, it was just the, the wording of it that, that just threw it into Creepyville. <laughs> <laughs> I want to visit Creepyville, see what's going on. <laughs> Maybe I don't when I look in the windows. Oh, my God. Stop doing that. Did Did you look at the Wikipedia for this? He bit. wrote this in 13 days. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's, and it, it said his wife, it, it, like it was about the, the cat initiated yeah, it. Yeah. It, he was opening doors and 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 and, and the, his wife said she's looking for a cat into summer and he said not another word right and runs <laughs> yeah, off to the 
typewriter. Yeah, that that typewriter. That actually it's is a, totally legit, though. My mom's dogs, they're always at the door wanting to see if, if they can go outside and it's raining and they just like look up at me and say, like, what do you, we can you do something you, about why this? Like, yeah, why you and then the two minutes me? later, they do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to go out into the rain, but they want to go out into the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's time for me to get going, guys. All right, so see you. Thank you, nice Paul. Nice conversation, and uh, I'll see you all on the flip fun. side. I'll see Bye, you on, Paul. Paul. Well, we got through another show. Yes, we did. Oh, I need to set the recorder before I leave. In case uh, you need I, was the very wor- I was very worried I had not started recording because oh. I was trying to make sure that Trish didn't have too much lead time at the beginning, and I've, I, well, part of that is my like going through making sure everybody's there, but also like the step of actually recording, it's important. It, yes, it <laughs> Otherwise, is. seven months from now, I go, wait a second. Or I completely forgot. That, like, I honestly, I'm doing show notes for something I read seven months ago, and I like cannot remember it at all. But that's, that's oh, a little that weird. That sounds familiar. Uh, but um, uh, it's because it's really interesting. It's because almost nothing happens in the story. It was a John Buchan uh, novel. Do you remember this one? Our story, Evan? Called uh, the lurker at the threshold or the uh, thing at the threshold? Huh? See, <laughs> totally, it's like a total blank, right? And it's because a zero happens in the story. There's a guy comes from Norway to visit his cousin in Scotland. It's Scotland. Oh, yeah, I remember the story. I think you got the name wrong. Yeah, I do get it wrong. It's it's Buck- who, John Buchan. John, John Buchan. And it's the something at the threshold. The lurker at the threshold is by uh, August Derleth and Lovecraft. But there's another one. Uh, the Group of Watcher. A- Watcher. Uh, that's Watcher. another by Bucket. It's Watcher at the threshold. Watcher by the threshold. Yeah, that's it. I, uh, yeah. Do you remember the story? Like the plot? It's in Scotland, and there's like. Uh, it's super good. But it's totally not memorable because nothing literally happens in it. They go for like a dog cart ride and they go in the library yeah, and they and talk. They go hu- yeah. And there's no hunting. They talk about going hunting and yeah, they, they never they hunt. They talk about going hunting. That's right. <laughs> and, and so that's really interesting that, you know, it, the structure of the story, but it's super deep and super good. Um, maybe that's the problem with this book is it's sort of just a little bit of running around town. Right, rather than uh, whatever. No, I, I I like the story. It's good. Um, and you do need to do the whole run of Heinlein for your show when you're done with uh, the Civil War. When I'm done with the Civil War, I think I might do John Adams. I, I'm thinking. Uh, didn't I, you I might do be John Adams already? A boomer. No, I, I'm thinking maybe John Adams and John Quincy Adams journals because. Oh. I might be becoming a boomer, but I'm kind of thinking <laughs> John Adams deserves more love. There was an it's, HBO movie about him. It's because he's the one president I can think of who didn't die within like five days of becoming president, who actually like stopped a war. That's useful. We should have and, more of those. And chose not, and like actually sacrificed his presidency to not go to war. Nice one. I think that, that there's something kind of epic about that. It makes me squee. When I think about 
<laughs> and then to realize that his like great great grandson like founded Raytheon. It's, uh, oh, sad story. The first president of Raytheon. That's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have to go too. Okay, Misa. Um, right. uh, uh, nice. When when uh, we're not living under you got to pick a law. Simpsons character, right? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, she's Blinky. she's Blinky. Okay, you did already. Um, okay. When Thank not you. living under martial law, um, I'll, I'll tell you what I really think, my, my son. <laughs> 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 so, uh, when uh, Justin rescinds our uh, our uh, threat to remove our bank accounts and car insurances and uh, all that, then I'll tell you what I really think about this book. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'll look forward one. to that then. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, next week. Um, uh, you're signed up for it, I think, right? The um, Arthur Mackin novel. Another novel. Yeah, it's not super long though. It's you're, called The Hill of you're Dreams. You're disrupting my Stephen King reads. Sorry. This is the last novel for a while. Um, it's actually the only one scheduled uh, left. And then there's some blanks in a couple of weeks. Weird fr- friction guy. Yeah, I'm actually not signed up for this. Oh well, I should sign you up for it because it sounds really good. Put me a question mark. We'll see. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to process the file today. Um. Oh, we're coming up pretty quick to some empty space here. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing. There's no uh, novels scheduled. So, if you wanted to do the Sea Wolf or whatever, we could. Give, uh, give that a possibility. Um, talk to Will about that. But he wants to do the Sea Wolf. I know he's um he's not uh very engaging. I think he might be having some life problems. Um, yeah, he's he's on his Twitter. He says he's not posting anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, dude, there's a lot of. Hate on Twitter, a lot of craze on hit t- Twitter. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I was debating whether to like apologize to Paul because oh. my intention isn't to like piss him off and make him feel like he's shit. But well, no, I but mean, he does that to himself, right? You know. I mean, I, I, as far as I could tell, I only said two things to him, but he seems to have a narrative that I'm like picking on him. Well, like one was when he was talking about Civ Six and like. Oh, maybe I didn't like, see this one. Like he, he says, like, like oh, if this was a Civ Six game, like Russia and China oh, would attack at the same time, right, right. And I and I like just think we shouldn't use video game logic to talk about real affairs involving millions of people <sighs> and their actual lives. Well, it's what he knows. And, he, he knows Civ, right? And then the other thing was the oh, the headline, which I legitimately didn't know the problem with the headline. What was the headline? <laughs> It was like Putin gains rights to bases in Donetsk and whatever that other place is, uh-huh. according to you know, Putin, like according to something, uh-huh. and and so it like buries the lead in the headline, like the headline buries the lead at the end of the headline, hmm. and he was and he said like the hell it does. And and oh. I just said I don't see the problem with the headline because if you read through the headline, it makes it clear that this is not truth. This is what was stated in the document that they're reporting on. Right. And I thought wow. it was kind of overreact because he was kind of implying that Reuters was somehow in cahoots with Russia. 
Oh, dude, the Reuters is in cahoots with uh, Pfizer. The guy who yeah. runs Pfizer, or sorry, the guy who runs mm-hmm. Reuters is on the Pfizer board, and they do yeah. all these. Right? It's it's like there's lots of cahoots going on, but you and me are not amongst those cahooters. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I just asked, like, what's the problem? And then he, then he kind of says it's sloppy journalism or something. I'm like, you know, I don't see it. But fine. It, people get triggered by stuff like it, it's it's like you touched a nerve, right? So, yeah. like, I didn't say anything that was super controversial other than, you know, I'm saying Heinlein's, Heinlein's kind of, you know, wants to be a woman. Um, and people mm-hmm. trigger like I'm, I'm a racist. Uh, like, it, it's insane the amount of, like, like literal hate that's poured, and I'm not hate. I'm not a hater. I don't hate anybody. I, uh, I think you really got to contextualize this stuff. Like Heinlein, for, for his time, is I think pretty progressive on gender issues. Who is more progressive issues. than him? And yeah, you read him now, you might say, "Oh, he's wrong about this or something." That, he's that's, just not sensitive like, to the thing you're sensitive to. I mean, that's what I was trying to say with Trish. It's like Trish when. You look at the 19th century, like Catherine Beecher saying women should control the domestic sphere was actually the progressive position. Maybe I didn't make it clear enough. I think you made it clear. I think she's, right. but she, there, there's a, there, yeah. her sister, um, also like, uh, said something is like, she thinks I'm like, uh, racist or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was basically, um, well, all I'm saying is, I think this is a scam. I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not saying that they should be executed or, you know, or, you know, uh, uh, but basically that, if you read that article, and I'm sure you did, yeah, you quoted it to me, yeah. I think. Yeah. Right? It's like, this is a scam because the people who are doing it are, you know, I've been asked to look at, and improve papers students send me. And I said, well, there's not much to do in this unless you want to do this, this, and this, right? But um, they said, well, uh, we want to make it better because they don't like it somehow. So I said, well, you could do this word choice, right? But I'm actually like stretching sometimes to to uh, find things to fix. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I'm doing that, I, I, I could do more and get paid more by finding more fake problems. Now, the thing is, is the people who are doing it, I doubt that they think they're operating in bad faith. I think they're probably think what they're doing is helpful, but there is this kind of uh, mentality that we have to control the narrative unless people get the wrong ideas. And that's, you know, the Fauci thing, right? You, you don't, yeah. you can't handle the truth. I have to ease you into it. But it's actually the other way around. People get bad ideas because they're being lied to. And then uh, the lies pile up. And then you sort of fall into faith with Fauci is a saint, right? When, in fact, he's just a guy uh, who has interests. And those interests are not identical with your interests. If they were... All right, give me a second. Yeah. I'll be right back. Sure. I'll be right back. Yeah, Come no on. worries. All right, sorry. No worries. I found the thread I here. Had to go to the bathroom. No worries. There's a lot of uh, show, and if you've had any copy, yeah. which I have not. So this is the I thread. Have, this is a thread. I don't that, work tomorrow, though. Oh, it's good. It's actually a holiday in Taiwan. We had one on Monday. Um, because of 
It's like because there was a brutal massacre when the Kuomintang took over Taiwan in 1948. Oh, nice. 49, and that's now a holiday. So because a celebration or people, a or well, it's, it's the other way around. It's a sorrow. It's like called Peace Day or something. Okay. It's, as Taiwan democratized, they made this a holiday. It's like remember the horrible past or something. So I sent this this uh, to your. Chat, to the chat. I don't know. If you can see it, but dumbest meme I've ever made. No, that one was earlier. That was pretty funny, though. <laughs> Putin, <laughs> Rasputin. That's why I keep on Twitter because I like that. That makes me laugh because that's it's so stupid. Good. I don't want to hear about. <laughs> I don't want to hear about the Twitter uh, takes on on uh, Ukraine. I want to read about them later on, so I know what's actually happening. Anyways, um, yeah, might take a few days to to see how this. Plays out. So I quote tweeted somebody and she said she was like um, making uh, assumptions about my being a racist or something. And she says, thanks for the quote teat, asshole. Kindly go fuck yourself. Oh, that guy. Uh, I believe she's a girl. Um, but yeah, anyways. Uh, so guy. Yeah. Uh, I um, said. Who, I could, so who is this? I, this is. This is Joe. This is the editor of uh, Skiffy and Fanty. Yeah, Jen Zink. That's right. Infernal Doom. That's her name. Loop de loop. Or is that? Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, uh, I, I followed her. I, I sent you. You followed her. Tweets. Wow. No, I don't. Well, I, I I keep an eye on her now, so I can send you her next screenshots oh. of her of her oh, tweets, yeah. so you know what's going on with her. Uh, well, she's like she had bad s- breath the other day. Yeah, she's uh, she's got a sad life. It sounds like she's got some health problems. Um, so I said I can. I don't know why there's a picture. Of, uh, those books just happened to be in front of me when I did this tweet. I can see why people would think of me as an asshole. I don't just go with the flow. Like I really grapple with ideas. I like to really grapple with ideas. I question things. I just don't let things go. I want to understand them. But at some point, it could be seen as mean, even though it's not the intention. And then. But I think that's what happens to me. People think I'm mean. Uh, I can see it, and and it's I'm because not, I don't, you're short and I'm you don't just, use a lot of emojis, right? Okay. Emojis are important. This this medium. So uh, Trish quoting me: "Grappling with ideas isn't the problem. It's how you do it. Reacting to per- people's dismissals of old writers as if personal attacks on you, and dismissing all modern works as though shifts in genre styles, culture, and focus are not themselves born of and reflecting." Worthy new ideas. Um, so there's the fundamental crux of the problem, right? I am reacting to people's dismissals of old writers as if it's a personal attack. I don't think it's a personal attack. I think it's, uh, I can see why someone would think that though, right? Uh, reacting as if it's a, a, an okay thing is the problem because that's fucking crazy. When you say we don't need to read old books anymore, I say it's like you don't need to read history anymore. And the thing is, is they don't have to read any books. I'm not saying they have to read. Like I, I joked with Connor. I said, you have to read Moby Dick. If you don't, you can't do anything else with your life. That's just the facts. And like, I'm joking, yeah. but it's because Moby Dick's really important and you, you will want to read it because it's so amazing, right? Um, mm. it's so stellar, uh, of a display that you need to have this in your life, but saying that he has to do it doesn't mean I mean he literally um, can't do read anything else. I'm joking about that. But more importantly, um, th- the idea that 
it's okay to just say anything and have people say that's fine. That's the crazy shit. Um, she said next, another example of your dismissal of others scoffing at the idea of sensitivity readers. According to you, writers, publishers shouldn't even consider whether their works might hurt others through at best sheer ignorance or experience at worst perpetuating stereotypes. So that one, I like, um, I, scoffing. I guess I am scoffing at sensitivity readers because it's crazy again. Mm. Uh, but as it goes down and that's, she says, it seems as though you often stir shit just for fun without caring who hurts that I can see that too. Um, it's not for fun though. It's part of like, it's my way of understanding reality. Right. Um, well, I think, I think a sensitivity reader, I, I don't like that language, but someone reading over your work to, to see how it will be received or, it happens like in uh, science. Like you say, yeah, ask a scientist to read your thing to, cause you don't know about science. I'm like, that's sad. You should know about the thing you're writing about, but, but I, I'm not against famous, it. Who was the writer who did the memoir? I, I quoted, I the tweeted the article. Yeah, the, art- the article yeah. where she said she actually did send it to the sensitivity readers. Right. That's just sent to a bunch of them. Literally did like a, a, uh, like a Google like a, a find and search. Find and replace, words. right. Yeah, and say, oh, you used this word, like, disfigure. That right. was the word, right? Use disfigure. But she was talking about landscape. It's like, oh, that's going to be sensitive. That's going to be offensive to right. say Somebody's going to be hurt by it, is the theory. But uh, there was an example here in Taiwan where a, I think a book from China was published here. And those word, the continent, sometimes in Taiwan means China. But it's politically incorrect to say that because it means like we're part, like they're the continental part of China and we're right. the non-continental part of China. So you shouldn't say continent when referring so to China. So that's sensitivity if, reading. Yeah. If you're pro-independence, that's a sensitivity thing, right? But what the publisher did is just like find and replace continent with China. Right. And, and you ended up, but what you ended up with in the book was sentences like Columbus discovered China. The China of North America. <laughs> because continent is the same the word. The China right? of North America. Continent. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the continent's the same word. Whether it's talking about China or some other place, that just happens to be a continent, right? You could be talking about France. It's continent. So right? I, I basically disagree and, and, with the premise. And I just think it's like lazy. It's like sensitivity reading well, is, yeah, clearly. as I see it, is like kind of lazy. Uh, absolutely. But uh, uh, like, my my problem Not is is they're they're operating on a a process like you can be hurt by words in a book. Like I can oh, be af- yeah. I can be offended that I'm reading a book because it's so fucking stupid. I say, oh my god, what a piece of shit, and I throw it across the room, right? But um, uh, if it says uh, Chinese lesbians want to fuck their mothers, um, uh, and I have a Chinese lesbian mother, uh, or I am a Chinese lesbian, <laughs> and I'm. I can't really be hurt. I can be annoyed, but I can't really like this idea of being people having our yeah. people are sensitive and they can have their feelings hurt with seeing their pain mocked. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, I, it's not nice to be, uh, you know, made fun of, but some things need to no, be made I, fun of. No, here's where I think a sensitivity reader could be useful. Like, let's say I'm writing a novel and I have a scene where I'm dealing with some, inner city gangsters right and i'm trying to write dialogue for them but i don't really it's not coming from my lived experience 
But why are you writing that so, scene in the first place? <laughs> because I need it for the plot or whatever. Right. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't be writing it. But right. I, maybe probably I need not. It for the plot or whatever. So I do my research. I do my homework. Well, how do these people talk? What kind of word language do they use? What kind of thoughts do they think? And it wouldn't hurt to hire someone maybe to help me out with that process. Har- Harlan Ellison wrote some juvenile delinquent novels. He went and joined the gang. Right. Yeah. Right. That's another option. You could do that too. You know, uh, I, I tell my students, you know, write not what you know because you almost know nothing. Um, so like I, I tried to help a student write a werewolf story. The problem is, is he hasn't been enough places like in the, in the wilderness to write anything except for like a suburban story. And uh, I'm like, you need to get real specific about stuff because that lends a, an authenticity. Otherwise it's not worth reading, right? If you can't bring something to the table that makes it worth reading, then it shouldn't be written. Uh, I'm like, I'll write something that I say, this is garbage and it's just delete. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, as long as you bring, uh, your own research or experience to the table, that's fine. But writing plot to just have plot to have another page filled, that shouldn't be read. And if you need to have a gang in your story and it's not a gang of people you understand intimately, then it's going to come across as shit and no amount of some professional saying, yeah. you know, it, it, it's like, uh, anyways, um, long Why story. Why writers do hire researchers and stuff to help with this stuff? A hundred percent. Like, um, Elmore yeah. Leonard wrote, uh, he had a professional researcher. He says, I want to know, uh, I want to have a setting in this place. And so he has, uh, a bunch of stuff in there and they're not that great books. They're not like, like one of the, the one I read, um, of his this later is called Tishamingo Blues. And his researcher, who I think has gone on to become a writer later on, um, uh, had it, he wanted to be set in Civil War reenactors, but, but Elmore Leonard didn't want to do the actual research for it. So he just like says, bring me 50 things that I can throw into this story, right? And so he got the word farb. F-A-R-B, which is somebody who isn't as enthusiastic about reenacting that they don't have, like, authentic underwear. <laughs> Civil War underwear, right? They're wearing, like, uh, Skivvies or, I don't know, Hanes or something. Uh, Skivvies is probably not a brand. Uh, Hanes underneath their uniform. Yeah. Or they have, like, a, a a modern lighter in their pocket instead of a uh, Tinder and Flint or whatever they would have had. Um and that there, those are farbs. So that becomes like a, a dialogue point in the book. But the plot didn't have to interact with that. It was just a setting for a crime story. And he did another one like that. Maybe I'm confu- conflating too. That was like about professional divers. And like, these are like lesser Elmore Leonard books because he wasn't drawing on his own personal experiences and imagination and really like digging deep. I think the reason Jack London works as a writer is because he had a lot of fucking life experience in a very short amount of time, and he could rework it over and over again in different ways. Mm. Just telling it from a different point of view or reversing the the story, right? Fish police job in Yukon and going homeless and 
going to Korea, right? He's uh, boxing, whatever it is. He, he's he's living and personally experiencing this stuff. Hemingway, similar story, but we've got to like, uh, I love this phrase, the laptop class, right? The people who uh, COVID was an inconvenience for, but not really because they didn't like going into the office anyways. Now they get to do all their job from their PJs on the couch and watch Netflix and order in uh, from Amazon. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's inconvenient not to see mom on her birthday, but I can Zoom with her. Well, those people, it doesn't hurt very much, but they also want to be writers. And you can't be a professional writer because it pays fucking nothing, right? Like, literally, fucking nothing pays nothing unless you're super rich. So what do you do? You hire yourself off as a sensitivity reader to make income for your fake job as a writer. But the sensitivity reading pays really well. So, yeah, that all sounds like it's mean. But is it wrong? Is it a lie? And I want to push back. I want pushback that isn't just... um, uh, don't be mean. Uh, so yeah, I get what you're coming from. Where are you coming from? This is the one. This it's, is the one. It's just what I don't get is if if you're actually writing stories drawn from life, why why do you need it? It's it's only if you are totally ignorant of what you're writing about that you right. would need someone like this. But but there's like a marketing lie. But there are insensitive people out there. But you can't. So they would be characters in your book, right? Insensitive people. So like this, okay. Um, you like I was asked. I made a joke the other day to Paul. I was saying, is Gypsy Salami racist? Gypsy Salami is a kind type of uh, salami. Yeah. Uh, What's your answer? Probably you don't know, right? I'm guessing it's I don't really not. Know. I just read Thinner, which is super racist. Yeah, that's about a gypsy, I still gypsy, don't know right? why a gypsy curse. I still don't know how King doesn't get canceled. Because it's so and old this, and people like him. He has shit lib, yeah. uh, shit lib uh But ideology. that book is, I mean, it's racist towards like Italian-Americans. It's racist towards gypsies. It's, is the book racist or is, is the char- are the characters racist? I think the whole point of that. I mean, I the whole idea book. of a gypsy curse, I guess, is kind of racist. And then the gypsies are <laughs> presented it? as kind of been. Or is it just a trope? There, he's. I mean, he's taken like the. He's. I mean, the Spockman. So King didn't even write this. Cancel Bachman, don't cancel King. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know King liked to use Bachman to kind of deal with issues that maybe he wasn't like. Yeah. Plops, plops he might have not have done as under his name. Uh, is Bachman a shitlip? But it's, Evan, I just came up with the greatest Bachman's idea. Done. So you need to make a uh, account that just mirrors what King says, but has good takes <laughs> on Twitter. You know, it's a Richard Bachman's a Twitter account. <laughs> Instead of, so he's commenting on Ukraine and he has like some sensible takes. <laughs> Instead of uh, maybe dark, but sensible takes. Instead of actually, the, I got, I, I kind of got in trouble in my office about Ukraine because, because my colleagues are stupid. Um, not all of them. Some of them are pretty smart, but some are, are idiots and, I was complaining about how Putin 
He shits on the Soviet Union on his two-hour speech, right? That's a long speech. He blames the whole problem in Ukraine on the Soviet Union making Ukraine a nation, a public, right? Mm. And then Biden turns around and says, like... He's trying to make Soviet Union. He's trying to remake the Soviet Union. Right. It's like... They're they're both playing to their audience. Somehow I got out of this this conversation with my coworkers as a pro-Russia guy, which is not me. Uh, it's, but it's because there are, I think there are people in my office who still don't figure out like, that the Russia and the Soviet Union are different. They like lack that nuance. Maybe they know they're different, but they don't really understand why I see them as different. It's it's a, still called a red scare. Is that today, one literally right? like there's there's a whole Twitter meme going around about how people people think in USSR means like the United States of Soviet Russia or something. But that's probably true of a lot of people that think that Soviet Union and Russia. Why are why, why you why do you have why do people have opinions on things they know nothing about? Because there's people on TV who are telling them they should have opinions about these things. Yeah. And they're telling them what opinion to have. And they all agree with each other. And there's no dissent. Like I mean, My opinion, my, my view is basically Russiagate was bullshit. You think? Russia's like a third-rate <laughs> third power, not a threat to the United States. And they, should have prob- they probably shouldn't be invading Ukraine. Probably shouldn't. But and, it's not like and, uh, it's a- operating in a vacuum. How did we yeah, get here? It's not. A, and there's that too. There's. I mean, I, I yes, I got to side with Ukraine at the end of the day. Plus, plus they're being badass about it, so I appreciate that. I, I haven't seen any of this. You, you were saying that, but I, I've not. Well, seen they're any like videos. arming the civilians and Molotov cocktails and stuff, and that, that'll end well. It it won't, but there's there's some honor in that that I appreciate. Uh, it's like yeah. it's good 20th century. I get good 20th century vibes from that. Yeah, my I think it'll end uh, like don't no 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 like don't not not one step back. They should do that. You the Ukraine president should say not not one step back. That would that would be nice. There'd be irony in that. That's what Stalin said, right? If you're looking for irony, Stalin is steel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it looks like the the Russians just sort of fucked this up. So it's you know, uh, how so? I haven't in, seen anything. They 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 haven't like achieved any of their objectives yet. What are their objectives other than? I think they want to take states. Kiev and force and force. Will force Ukraine to to acknowledge them. Uh, I don't think he's thought this through. How what he's what he's actually trying to get out of this? I don't know. Uh, we 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 will know in twenty or thirty years. We'll know everything. It's usually how. It yeah, works. we'll see what how we'll see how it works out. I think a uh, whole of Twitter is, turned into was a, oh, yellow and blue flags. Though it was crazy. Everything yeah, I didn't go that far. I'm not going to join up with the Ukrainian militia, but I kind of—I'll I'll smoke a cigarette to them. <laughs> uh, were you going to do that anyways? Is my question. 
Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think about them making Molotov cocktails and, and kissing their daughters as they go to march <laughs> to, 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 the, to get round up. defend Kiev. Jesus. Well, the first couple of hours seemed pretty bleak. That's when I was making sarcastic comments. I, I've seen kind of, so many tweets about this Ghosts of Kiev jet thing. Um, I so, saw, I, I heard about it. I, I haven't seen that many tweets about it. Um, somebody added like me. Like the Red Baron? Uh, I think it was Fredosphere. Yeah, it's the Red Baron. But actually, um, uh, I made a really fun comment about that because, um, there's a, a Vietnam era one, uh, called Colonel mm-hmm. Tomb. Do you know about this guy? Colonel Tomb? Uh, he's. Not really. You uh, can look him up. Yeah. Tomb, T-O-M-B. Um, mm-hmm. and he's like the, uh, he's their version of, um, of this ghost of Kiev guy shooting down American yeah. planes. Um, and, and it's like, oh, it's a legend. And yeah, it's like, uh, war propaganda for both sides, kind of, but different. They treat it differently and it's like legendary. And it's like, how do you know the guy's name is Tomb? <laughs> Doesn't that seem a little bit fake? Like a fake name, Tomb? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I I had a joke about uh, Colonel Tomb laughs from his his uh, ghostly lair or whatever at this ghost because he shot down more planes uh, reportedly. But I, like I think a lot of these sto- stories from the Soviet from the Soviet Union are true though. Like these like these sniper women who killed like three hundred oh, people. Well, I, I tweeted about um, the because Battle Sevastopol. Um, yeah. The what's the Woody Guthrie song? Miss uh, Pol- Polvachenko killed 300 mm-hmm. Nazis. It's like, it's a really good song. And it's good to kill yeah. Nazis when they're actual Nazis. I mean, most of the people getting shot are not Nazis, so that's bad. But whatever. Um, the, uh, there was, a uh, another. Oh, yeah, I think, I just think, find it. I think the Russian army is just maybe not that good and full of one year conscripts that really don't want to be there. Well, the story I found so hilarious just because it's me, I guess, it's because these Russian soldiers are like on Tinder in Ukraine. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Ukraine, they're like matching with That's very modern. women. Yeah. And the Ukrainian women are like saying, oh, the army is like two kilometers from here to the authorities. Right. I just think and they're that's on really break. Funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. They have a 15-minute break in five minutes. Um, yeah, that's not going to win the war for them, though. Yeah. It's not. But it's, it doesn't say much for the Russian soldiers and their priorities either. Uh, it tells you exactly, you know, they're on vacation. Yeah. Uh, and and it's better than ra- you know raping their way through the countryside. Although all that catfishing is going to be hurting their Tinder profiles or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough. Um, because uh, people. I I don't know. I well, it's I'll just people get triggered. I'll just join the crowd. I'll 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 support Ukraine just because they're not. They don't seem to be rolling over. If they rolled over, would you have supported them? If they rolled over, I'd just say uh, they don't deserve their country. Wow! 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 Who who deserves a country, Evan? Well, if, I know you. If someone you think Taiwan does stand up and 
Yeah, but they, they won't roll over. Taiwan won't roll over? They definitely won't roll over. I don't know if I sent you this one. This is pretty good. Um, this is a, a, a pretty funny situation. I'll, I'll send this to your Twitter. Um, this is a an old, very... Um, there we go. Come on. All right. This is an old sensitivity reader uh, difference between two books. So um, it's a Conan role-playing game. And mm-hmm. there's a comparison between the before and after version of the first and the second editions. Um, so, like, there's some minor things, like, the uh, cover's a little more washed out in the second printing. But when you go into the details of the actual uh, word choice changes, some of them are, like, uh, questionable. So, it's uh, the mysterious East becomes the ancient East. And you think, oh, why is that? Um, because mysterious uh, is like inscrutable, mm-hmm. right? Inscrutable Chinese. Uh, okay, but this is about a, a Hyborian game people going to the mysterious <laughs> east. So ancient is actually less descriptive. This is why when I argue with my yeah. mom about the mailman came, she says mail carrier, and I say, listen, mom. It doesn't hurt to have the fact that it, it was a dude for when a male carrier comes later and it's a lady. Then you'll say, you were here earlier and be wrong. Right? It doesn't, it does, you can have a, a female doctor, call, call her a doctoress. Nobody does that. But if we wanted to, we could say it was a doctoress or an aviatrix. Why is that a problem? Some languages are way more gendered than English. Male man. Okay. But if it's a male carrier, it's probably a woman, right? Do, uh, changing it for no reason uh, has unintended consequences. Um, so, un, uh, so, so the, this is more problematic, though. On page four of this, mm-hmm. they get rid of cast. They write out the cast system. Yes. So in the early system, the dark skin people cast, live yeah. in so strict caste system that even the lowliest pauper of the West has a better chance of changing station, which fits the Conan world, right? It's India. It's India, right? Ancient India. And then it's just changed to who have seen more empires fall than younger people have known known exist. So It's not even the same issue. It's not the same issue. It's it's saying, look, there's a caste system there. It just totally excised it. It's right. So there's... I'm not... I'm not for excising caste. Your birth caste is your life in Vandala. And you, I think what they're thinking is like role People, players now want to play whoever they want, right? Perhaps, yeah. They don't want it, it to could be, be a bound dragon by, or uh, uh, yeah, so other you, If you want to be a black skinned knight in medieval Europe, a paladin, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pathfinder's Paladin is, is black, right? But that's fine. That's a fantasy world, right? They yeah. don't really have race in that sense. Race for them is elf, dwarf, whatever. Right. right? It's on skin color. But at the same time, they talk very strictly like elves, gnomes behave this way. But uh, get to page 20. Changes martial arts to unarmed. So w- when you think of martial arts, you think of like Bruce Lee, right? Kung Fu. Yeah, but changing it to unarmed combat 
it changes it, but for what purpose? It's it's a little like it actually makes the game more of a board game than a role playing game because in a board game you can say I'm doing an unarmed attack or something, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Then a role playing game it matters if you're doing martial arts or just. But boxing, you go to a right? land that's not yours. Just, uh, if you're a crumb eating barbarian or whatever, yeah. um, they're gonna have you know there there were martial arts in Europe. They're called like. Uh, sword yeah. fighting and, and then later on boxing, right? But, uh. Yeah, they're not interchangeable. Boxing. No, they're not. Unarmed or martial arts isn't. I agree. And the thing is, is uh, you can do it, uh, like less badly, I think. You can do re- copy and replace less badly. <laughs> but for what purpose? Who is who's going to be offended by the word martial arts? You say, well, that's just a stereotype. What I teach my students about cliche, you know, like cliches, like don't use cliches unless you're trying to be cl- doing cliche. You have to know what you're doing at all points. Anytime you make write a word and you didn't know that you'd just written it like three sentences earlier, that's a mistake, and you need to take note. Doesn't mean you have to replace it, but you need to be aware of it. That's not the same thing is- as. As like, you know, saying there are words you can't use or phrases you can't use because people are offended. It's like just being a paying attention to the writing. Look at this one. The ghouly world is not the soft world of civilized folk. They dwell in mud huts. It's revised to stone buildings. So it's you are made up people. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about being in mud huts. That's right. That's because not mud civilized. is bad. Like, the problem is. Well, there's two problems here. One is you're saying civilized folk don't live in mud huts. But also, then why not just not call them civilized? I'm going to say the ghouly world is not the soft world of some other, compared to some other society. They dwell in mud huts, but they have to upgrade their buildings. Mm -hmm. Which is what you do in civilization, right? They're still saying they're not civilized in their rewrite. It's still not the soft world of civilized folk. But something about mud huts are bad. Yeah, mud is bad. Mud, mud is othering, is the idea. And it's like, well, but some people do live in mud huts. They do. A lot of people do. Mud Sad huts story. That there are modern homes made out of mud. Well, no, those are earth mud. rammed earth. That's better. Oh, rammed earth. Right. Know, They're better. So what I was saying, like with Trisha's sister, was like, this is like euphemism treadmill stuff. You, you, you say that there's a word that you're not allowed to use. So like, for example, Indian, right? All the Indians I know who are not from India, right? And there are Indians from India here. They call themselves Indians. Now there, there is a change, a generational change, but the old Indians who I grew up with, they call themselves Indians. And then when they're talking to outsiders, like on the news or something, they talk about First Nations or more importantly, they talk about their particular nation, you know, the Squamish or whatever. Um, and so to say, you know, you're not allowed to say that. My f- sister's a fucking Indian. My grandkid, not grandkid, my uh, niece is an Indian. I know that some people are going to be upset by it, by it, but it, the word is always changing. And, but it's not changed from bottom up. It's changed from top down. There are some policers of society who's saying someone will be offended by this. Let's change it. Don't call them black. Right. 
and I notice you still call black people black people who are in the states, right? Yeah, I always do it. Yeah. Why don't you call them African American? Sometimes I do. But why no, don't think, you do it consistently? Well, because they might be offended. Well, I could tell you. I generally, when I think about it, it's African American is an ethnic term, and black is a racial term. It's interesting because uh, African American also includes those. So there was that kid in uh, who was from South Africa who's white, who yeah. uh, wants to, you know, get the scholarship but for the African American, right? My friends were my my friends in high school were African American in that sense. There were white South Africans who fled after apartheid. So. Right. And, um, but this is this is kind of how we teach it when we do human geography and teach the difference between race and ethnicity and both are socially constructed mm-hmm. ethnicity is generally seen as being more created by the group itself like i'm irish american or something right or i'm irish or italian versus race which is more imposed but both are real in a cultural sense right both are exist as categories that people use to understand each other um but yeah, to say someone's black is a racial thing. Like you can be a black Hispanic or a white Hispanic. And there are subtle differences between these or words, right? Or you could be, right? right? But um, colored. Black African or colored used to be, be the word. African from, from Egypt or something of Arab blood. No um, matter what word you yeah. pick, you, you, it brings a set of baggage. But we have but like I would a, say in the United States, African American usually refers to people of black African descent descended from the slave trade generally. But then that, that was Obama's issue early in his right. Career, he, was he was not African American. He was, he was black, like black enough or whatever. Right, right? Yeah. So uh, the thing is, is w- th- there are definitely issues to, to work through, but if you don't solve them by working on the, the word, and I, I thought that there was a, a there was a really interesting piece talking about how you know when Joe Rogan got called out again for uh, that nigger um, video compilation, they were mm-hmm. this isn't the first time that video was shown. It was just the most recent, right? And it got public attention because they're trying to cancel him, which is interesting because he's not easily canceled. We'll see. Um, it seems to have passed now that Ukraine's going on, but. The thing is, is if you, if there are things that you're not, not allowed to say in society, there are words that are taboo, then you have essentially knuckled under. This is somebody's quote, uh, tweet thread. And I thought that's actually really interesting because that's actually how, um, I think of it too. It's like, do you want to be a whipped dog being told what the government says is true and you just do whatever they say or you want to use your own independence of thought in context with all the information that's coming in currently as well as you know past evidence and history and all all that and a lot of people do want to be a whipped dog they want to bow to authority and so that idea of bowing to authority uh you know it's an alternative to being independent of mind Who's going to tell you what's right and wrong? I think that it's crazy that if we got Mark Twain out today and said, Mm -hmm. everybody should read Huckleberry Finn 
but it needs a sensitivity reader first. I'm like, no. No. Yeah. I, I <laughs> agree with you on that. Don't re-edit it. It's wrong. Yes. When he wrote it, it was an offensive word, and it's more offensive today than it was then. You could say, maybe. I, it probably is. <laughs> um, because it was less commonly, it's more common in use then, probably. And it's like something you'd hear every day. Um, but. But th- that's a great example of the problem with this kind of find and replace sensitivity reading. It's like, Huckleberry Finn is a profoundly anti-racist book. 100%. But you, if you just do the find and search tool, yeah, and like, oh, this is racist. There was a, there was a book that, that, uh, replaced, it, it was the same book, but they find and replaced nigger with robot. And ro- it's robot Jim. And I think that's really interesting because it turns it into a with science robot? Fiction. Yeah, robot. Oh. Now okay. it turns it into a science fiction story, right? And yeah. robots are slaves, and so it makes it a, a very interesting idea. But that's not the same thing as being doing it in order. It's a reworking, right, of the idea. Uh, in the same way that there's a gender flipping project, right, where you take a story and you, you flip it and see what happens when Conina uh, slays, I don't know, Thoth, Thothamon or whatever, Thothamona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there's fun stuff to be had there and all these guys whipping each other because they're they're gay <laughs> lots of interesting things going on there i mean it allows you to see in in but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about like never having published the original mark twain book because it could offend somebody or hurt somebody and it's like you're not looking your 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 premise is wrong. Your premise is flawed. Yes, people can be annoyed or angry or pissed off about about uh, something they read in a book or in a tweet or something, but it can't actually hurt you, like physically. They say, "Well, the emotional damage," and I'm like, "Fuck your emotional damage." Life is tough, and there are values out there. Like, I don't talk about all my trauma, Evan. I could talk about all my trauma. I don't talk about all my trauma because mostly I'm over it. But if you start playing the game where um, you don't have the authority to speak about this because you are, you're, you, you don't have the right identity for it, um, people play that game and then they become, uh, you know, they feel like they're black or they, or, or they join. There's a really fun article about, uh, people adding questioning to their name and, you know, uh, by, even though they're not by to their thing, because it gives them a kind of proof against, uh, an attack of being white. Crazy shit. Right. I better sleep. You should, even sleep. though I don't work tomorrow. I have. Uh, get, I wanted to uh, tell you about this labor situation. I have somebody coming to clean my apartment. I don't want to call her a cleaning lady, but she's going to clean my apartment. <laughs> what is the appropriate term? Whatever her name is. Uh, yeah, but if I told you her name, which I have, it's Carolyn. Um, <laughs> that 
wouldn't mean anything. Uh, she's Let's not just call her Carolyn. I, I call her Carolyn to her, yes. But if I'm talking about her to you and you don't know who she is, and I say it's some lady named Carolyn's coming over later, Evan, you're going to think uh, that it's, you know, for other reasons, perhaps. Well, th- these aren't mutually exclusive things. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to clean my pipes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I've seen this documentary before where the plumber comes in. Yeah, the pizza, uh, pizza delivery. Uh, and you, know. you could just reinterpret it into your own thing. Make sure your cameras are set up. Um, the, house. Uh, um, the, um, uh, the important part is she's, she charges my mom, uh, $25 an hour, which is, it's a pretty good rate, I would say. Um, although it's hard work, so maybe not. Um, but she's going to charge me $30 an hour. And, uh, my mom says, Oh, well, that's, she only charges me 25. And I said, Oh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> um, but I get paid either $40 an hour or $20 an hour. Um, but when I go to the dentist, I get charged like probably $100 an hour or something like that. Right. So who's the oppressor here? Me or her? I earn less than her sometimes. Yeah. Or maybe it's just like she has a skill that I am not great at. And I'll, I can, uh, when she needs to have her kid tutored, I can do that. I, I mean, probably I, neither of you are oppressors in yeah, this situation. Yeah, it's, it's my, it's my if thing. You, if you're hiring her through like a company, like a contractor, nope. they're it's probably be cash oppressors. In hand. Yeah. Cash in hand. Uh, I uh, I just think it's interesting. She's going to be earning more than uh, in four hours than I uh, earn in two days, maybe three days. But it's I never hire these cleaning people because I don't know. I would just feel obliged. I just hate yeah. cleaning that much, Evan. I, I'd rather clean than have to eat one pay money to feel someone's doing a favor for me. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not letting people do favors for me like that, no. But, um... Even if I'm paying it, I feel bad about it. But people do need money. Yeah, that's the fable of the bees. That's the old argument. Well, I mean... (laughs) If, If we are all frugal and do our own, clean our own homes, then the economy is fucked. Uh, dude, it's been a long time since I had my apartment cleaned. And mm. it's not like I'm doing it. Like, I could be vacuuming. My mom... Yeah, so I'm wants... a worse person than you because I don't do that. I mean... Vacuum? No, like, I because I, I clean my own apartment. Yeah, you should the come over to The best thing for me mine. to do for society is to hire people to clean my apartment, right? I don't know about that, but I have I have the money. And I have no interest well, it's, in it. It creates currency. It it it, it moves the money. She's as she's working for my mom. She might as well work for me. She wants the worst the money. thing you can do with your money is save it from yeah. a social perspective. Yeah. I'm You're just, better off buying drugs than. Saving <laughs> I'm going to get into beer and cigarettes because I know that works for some people. But I I I I do have my vices, but I don't spend that much outside of those vices. <laughs> So is that because you're not saving, or is it because you're? Uh, this is there's nothing to buy, man. That's that is, you know, uh, that's why I want to uh, talk to that weird fiction guy because he does book collecting like 
everybody wants to. He's like making it perfect and very pretty, and he's got the right setting, and you know he's 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 getting all the best versions of the books, and right. Uh, but it's a it's a kind of like I've done that sort of thing before, and I've got a big pile of books behind me on the bookshelf, very badly in need of organization. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm gonna have to do that because I can't I can't have Carolyn. Uh, organizing my books for me because she won't know how to put them together in the way that I'll I'll be able to find them. I mean, if if I and even if I bought books, I would still be spending just a fraction of my savings. Well, you, you do a crazy. lot of travel though. That's expensive. Paul's all oh. Paul's crazy for travel. So expensive. I mean, my travel is I go to America every year. Yeah, if I can. That's with with my daughter. Yeah, it's good to travel. It's just it's very very expensive. It's for the I mean, only thing more expensive is trying to own a home. Yeah, I don't dig to travel actually. I travel because I have to. Yeah, it fucking sucks. See my dad sometimes. I mean, I my dad needs a car, and I'm just like I could probably buy him a car just with the money I've made in the last couple of months because I don't spend. Get him an old Lexus. Used Lexus. Yeah. From the late 90s or mm-hmm. early 2000s. It'll be cheap. It'll yeah. run forever. And it'll be comfortable. That's what I'm... I'm. If my car dies, that's what I'm going to get. Well, it's slightly newer than my car. Toyota. That's uh, going to last forever and be fine. But then there's the other people. They drive the Mercedes. Even though it's a terrible idea. I'll let you go. I know you have uh, some right. sleep to do. In. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm signing up for Hill of Dreams, and you can refuse it later if you don't like it. All right. All right. Talk to you later. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Golan Globus Theater. They, Mm -hmm. They just watch movies and then they recap them, but... (laughs) <laughs> they live in Detroit and they think it's a hellscape and it's <laughs> and so it's really about them rather than it is about the movies but they do it through the medium of the movies right nice um, yeah and then they pick movies and then they watch them and then they recap them um and uh they have what i guess happens in shows and su- such they have sort of built-in callbacks going back to previous episodes in the last week and it's like you know it's just fun stuff and uh one of the things they've developed is um a theory about 80s action movies that uh there's something called spartan squad which is uh consists of all the people basically arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) just a bunch of arnold schwarzenegger movies that are all connected arnold yeah and um so uh there's a, they made a, or have a clip of, uh, the character Bennett 
Uh, do you guys know who Bennett was from Commando? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh. Yeah, he was he's one of Schwarzenegger's many incarnations. No, no. Bennett is the bad guy in Commando. Oh, uh, he's the bad guy. Matrix is the name of uh, Arnold in in uh Matrix? Matrix is how, Arnold's how name. That? Stupid name, right? <laughs> For a German <laughs> German guy. <laughs> Anyways, um so uh, a lot of the theory the show's theory is that uh because there's a backstory in Commando is that uh, this guy kidnaps uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, played by uh, who's the blue check shit lib uh, who used to be on a TV show. Starts with M, not Misa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marissa, Marissa Milano, yeah, uh-huh. Alyssa Milano, yeah. Anyways, um, uh, so she, she 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 does a nude scene in an Outer Limits episode. Does she? I didn't oh, remember yeah. Outer Limits being that. Uh, I guess it it was on cable or something, right? Anyway, yeah, there's a few episodes that uh, <laughs> reach the high level of quality. <laughs> anyway, at the it was culminating scene, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And the culminating scene of that movie where they have this standoff, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger throws. Uh, oh no, he he impales uh, Bennett, the bad guy, on a pipe. Um. I like a steam pipe. <laughs> and, and then he says, uh, let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> and some steam po- comes pouring out of his chest. Um, and so my joke was, I, this is a long way of explaining a, why I'm so happy. My joke was, um, uh, you should make this your pin tweet. It'll make it. And then I used the, uh, hey, hey, Jesse, Trish is trying to get into the call. Oh, really? Oh, it's, oh please do. I, well, I I don't know, I don't know how to do this with this right. new format. Let me let me dig this, it out. This stupid new uh, yeah. Cole's going to have no idea how to add Trish. something to this button. Was she um texting you? Yeah, she texted me. I I I I have no idea where anything is. Why why is your heart beating so? Be be because they accident because I accidentally <laughs> hit that instead of. Add somebody. I was trying to find something, and, <laughs> and I was trying to add Trish, and instead I hit the heart button. I don't know what this. I don't know what this says about. You just me. love my new policy, which is Trish's banned for making. No, no. no, she was making fun of Jesse on the internet, so now she's banned. I was engaging in rational discourse. With oh, you, oh, okay, that's fine then. You're not. You're unbanned now. Anyways, I was finishing this this terrible story about. Um, so uh, I said, you should make this your pin tweet. It'll make it. And then I used the gif of Arnold Schwarzenegger sticking some guy with uh, a knife in Predator. And Arnold Schwarzenegger says, stick around. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what makes me feel like life is worth with it, living at uh, all times. Just little little gif jokes. All right. Because that's what makes it great. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Will's not joining us. Is that the sense you got, Misa? Yeah, I think he was giving us the uh, a the warning signals. that meant, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to confirm that he's not online and not desperate to get in, too. <clears throat> um, how could I do that? I don't see anything on Twitter. Will. Uh, she's showing his yellow, so... I'm pretty sure he didn't try and join. Okay. 
You're a little bit far away, Paul. Oh, me? Yeah. Okay, I'll move. I'll move. I'll move the microphone closer. Yeah. I thought you were talking to somebody else in the room. Yeah. No. It's no. his, his uh, ghost. He's talking. To I his don't own have ghost. a ghost friend. <laughs> his own ghost. That would be very strange. <laughs> I don't. I also sadly do not have a cat either. I know. Save it for the podcast. Yep. <laughs> that's right. Save it for the podcast. All right. Um. I know Trish doesn't like uh, the big long uh, wind up at the well, beginning. Uh, I also also consider I I do have gaming today. So yeah. I I do have an a hard out in an hour and forty five minutes because my sister is on a podcast after that. All right. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so you guys share the computer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and the microphone. You could do do wow. dueling uh, podcasts. <laughs> what, a, what a podcast family you are! <laughs> they, um, they are they are a parented they they are a, a talented pair of twins. All right, you twins? Uh, yes, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's good to be in in a living space where someone shares your interests like that. Are you sororital twins or regular twins? Fraternal. Well, I guess sororal <laughs> is a better term for us than fraternal. <laughs> but yes, not identical. Although we do look and sound quite a lot alike. It's almost like you're related. Yeah, I've, I've been challenged <laughs> to try to dis- distinguish their voices. They, 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 they do this sort of thing to me. Like, we've decided we, we were on a podcast once together, and we decided never again. <laughs> <laughs> it was like matter and antimatter. Things would explode. Yeah, we had to keep introducing ourselves every time we said anything, because otherwise <laughs> the other people on the cast couldn't tell who was talking. 